up, JFW family? Welcome back to the Channel 23 podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to reach out and touch the fleet, to engage and inform everyone with all things JFW. Welcome back, Brother Jim, Brother Dave, Super Dave, and our special guest, Rick Bowen from MHC Kenworth. Morning, everybody. Morning, Rick. Morning, gentlemen. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, yeah. good morning, Rick. Good morning, Rick. everybody out there, JFW family. Thanks yeah. for joining us, Rick. Yeah, we've been trying to have Rick on for a while now. <laughs> yeah, we made fun of him, what, last week in his supposedly dentist appointment yeah. or whatever? Yeah, I was like, his teeth look fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was running out of reasons. <laughs> uh, before we get too far into the podcast, I would love to uh, pledge our allegiances. Yeah. 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 Let's do it. Yeah, okay. I just wanted to mention too for everybody out there, uh Jim Senior mentioned that we're kind of missing a piece here of not inviting all of you out there to say the allegiance with us, to pledge allegiance with us. So if you're in a spot or in the truck by yourself there and you want to say it, please say it along with us. Or if you have a rider, you can still say it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And if your rider doesn't say it, never mind. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Expressed opinions. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll get to that after Kick them out of the truck, Jim? Yeah. Just a little push? <laughs> I mean, nah, it's fine. That's funny. All right, uh, here we go. Yep. I, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with, with liberty and justice for all. Yeah. Love uh, that, right? I wonder who wrote that. I'm surprised you don't know. I, 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 I could I'm Google surprised it. at that, too. Yeah. yeah. The, yep. the, Let us know the Made the flag was Betsy Ross, right? Right. Yeah, she probably didn't write that, though. Dave will tell us here in a minute. But just as a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast, it's not the opinion of JFW. It's just our opinion and, <laughs> and Rick Bowen's opinion. And his opinion counts. <laughs> Going over last week, episode 36 had 339 downloads, so that was up from the week before. Oh, awesome. Almost to the number that's acceptable, and then we're at 11.4 thousand total downloads. So wow. Moving on up. Very cool. <clears throat> that was great. Everybody have a good 4th of July? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I did, yeah. That's cool. Still reeling in from it, though. I mean, I'm just, this morning I'm dragging. You know, here we are at, after second day at work, and I don't know that last night of a three-day weekend celebration time frame it's just rough rough on people who have to get up early yeah i clearly had trouble adjusting yesterday <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good weekend we actually uh we did a little bit of entertaining and we had this other couple come over and they were kind of they leaned to the other side a little bit you know what i mean and I mean, they were pretty cool, you though. Can, you can take that a lot yeah, of Yeah, holy cow, <laughs> that whole conversation. Of, politically. Oh, there you go. Yeah, All right. Yeah. I understand yeah. the culture in the room now. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. But anyway, so the guy, he says to me, you know, I just don't understand why you have a gun in the house. And I looked at it, and I'm like, Decepticons. <laughs> so he's, he started laughing so then I started laughing then my toaster laughed <laughs> then I shot my toaster and hence the dad jokes have begun oh, man. it's time for the dad joke challenge oh. 
I don't even know where to go with that, Jim. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I love his segues, man. Every time it catches me off guard. He just has to practice oh, it. Man. I think he goes over it two or three times at least. I practiced it with my toaster last night. <laughs> well, me and Holly were playing some trivia this weekend on different, just a game we were playing and stuff. And, and one of the questions was, someone asked me to name two structures that held water. And I was like, well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Oh, that's funny. I, that's, that's that was a good delivery, Jim. <laughs> yeah. That was right on. That was good. Super. Well, I've, I've lowered myself from dad jokes to Oli and Sven jokes. <laughs> so uh, Oli was talking with his brother Sven, who lived next door. And Sven said, you know, Oli. You and Lena, you should really get some new curtains. Vise dat, Oli asked. Well, last night I saw you and Lena. Well, you, you know. Oli thought for a while, then he said, <laughs> Sven, joke's on you. I wasn't even home last night. Oh, <laughs> That's terrible. Good, good joke, bro. I like the <laughs> accent. That's good. Well, mine's run of the mill. So uh, what do you call a Star Wars a Star Wars droid that takes the long way around. <laughs> Do you know, Jim? <laughs> I I'm trying to come it's up It's going to be so obvious when he says it. <laughs> right. The <laughs> droid that takes the long, long way around. Yeah. R2 Detour. Not to get, just change subjects, Rick, because I know you're next, but uh, did you, there, this true story, there was a guy that Disney just prosecuted. He went in as a Disney worker, dressed up like in their garb, like walked right through the gates, went in, and he actually stole an R2-D2 droid from Disney. Hmm. And, and I don't know, then he stole something else, and they finally caught him wow. and found out and prosecuted him. And he's, he's looking at like jail time and big fine and Man. everything, just some weirdo that thought he could go into Disney and get his own yeah, R2-D2. Yeah, and I don't know whether it was California or Florida or wherever, but uh, yeah. Huh. Is, Crazy stuff. Was it like <clears throat> T-Do Cell or something like that? <laughs> to the cell or something? <laughs> there has to be a punchline yeah, to d- that. D- there's no joke. Yeah, for real. It, I just read about it a couple days ago. So, uh, Rick, what do you got? Well, I know one thing you guys wouldn't have known about me, but back in the 80s, I was in a band called The Prevention. We were better than the cure. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Rick just slayed he it. Stepped good. right up, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we never won. We never who decided won last week. I think we both sucked. So. <laughs> but Rick, you did good. You did good. If you want some JFW swag on your way out for that, you could. You could, you could have a hat. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should ask for last week though. We yeah. should. Yeah, Linda couldn't. Linda couldn't decide. Oh, do you did ask Linda or yeah, something? I told her we spent more time together, so I wasn't even in on it. I and I thought mine was clearly better than both your guys's. It, it may have been, but you weren't in on it. <laughs> but you want a cheeseburger today? I'll buy you a cheeseburger, Dave. Not a problem. Uh, <clears throat> Jim, are you just telling one joke today? Yeah, I I have to save it for next week. Okay, I'll save mine too then. <laughs> I was like, I better bring another one because Jamie likes to tell. Not not seven, but two. <laughs> New drivers this week. Well, I can give you one more. It's okay. I I got a good one. Okay, hit us do, with it. Will you do yours then? Sure. 
Okay. So what do you call a belt made of $100 bills? Ooh, belt made of $100 bills. Not a money belt? A waste of money. Ah, waste <laughs> of money. Okay. I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but all my dad jokes are gun puns now. My wife bought me a gun pun shirt from 5'11", so I'm like, I got to do gun puns from now on. So how do you put a gun in its place? Holster it. No. <clears throat> you just tell it, hey, the world does not revolve around you. <laughs> <laughs> that one was bad. <laughs> yeah. That, that rolls right with the guacamole. <laughs> 003, Edwin, he keeps seeing me. Holy moly, guacamole. <laughs> ah. Oh, man. All right. Let's get to it. New drivers, Joe Brown joined the fleet. That's such an easy name for everybody to remember. Yeah, yeah. Tell them why, Dave. Well, there used to be an out-of-town hauler when DIA was under construction. Um, a lot of companies came in from all over to help move material. And uh, there was a company from Oklahoma. Pretty sure it was Oklahoma, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, the trucks were so ugly. <laughs> they were old and they would sit there and burn blue smoke while they were waiting to get loaded and tan were, and orange yeah they were green and orange i think weren't they, were they green and orange yeah, i green, thought tan and orange for green and orange i think yeah, yeah but think. uh the drivers were terrible drivers and there was this one lady driver that we would back into the pile to get loaded and we would line up along the pile the stockpiles were huge back then and uh so you might get 10 trucks backed into the sand pile and this lady couldn't back up to save her life and it got to the point she was holding up the the loading process so much they would just carry the material out to her yeah. i mean like 50 road. yards right wow. right yeah. she just stayed out on the road and we all backed in well, stay it was on the funny road. before they started doing that like seven trucks could be lined up and she would pull in and start to back up and seven trucks would pull back out of line <laughs> we'd move <laughs> just because it was safer i think she did hit somebody oh didn't I, she yeah i think times, so I think. Yeah. yeah yeah wow yeah and i googled joe brown uh online and they they're huge they own concrete plants. They own quarries. Currently? Back, no, back in the day. Oh, gotcha. yeah. Are they still in business, Dave? I if, don't know. Oh. No, I mean, this was years ago I did that. I just wanted to see who they were. What did you find out on the Pledge of Allegiance? Who, um, who wrote that back Yeah, then? I'll tell you what. Um, and, and by the way, welcome, Joe. Glad to have you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, welcome yeah aboard, definitely. Joe. Yeah, not yep. to get off subject there. Yep. Um, Francis Bellamy, he was a Baptist minister's son from upstate New York. And he wrote it in 1891. Wow. Huh? That was the original cool. version? Yeah, it did not include uh, Under God. Hmm. Who hmm. added that? Uh, somebody else. And, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Why are you looking that up? <coughs> Celebrations. <laughs> <laughs> Birthdays. We had Fred Powell had a birthday July 3rd. Russ Murphy, July 4th. Francisco Alvarez and Ernesto Valdez shared a birthday today. Happy birthday, guys. Yeah, happy birthday, everybody. Happy birthday, everybody. And then family birthdays. Last week, I don't know, I missed uh, Layla, must be um, Tina Springsteen's daughter, and then Chris Bortz, that must be Mike Bortz's wife. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, ladies. Yep. <clears throat> and then this week, my wife and Veronica's daughter, Carolina, share a birthday on July 3rd. Sam White, he's a July 4th baby. And then uh, Tiana Nuanas, 7-5. Emma Guthrie, that must be Casey's daughter, 7-8. And then, well, happy birthday to you all. 
And then Susie Pulciani sent us a thank you message for her birthday card. I guess her and Dan finally got around to opening some mail and they, <laughs> they came across her birthday card. So she sent a really nice. Did you see it on Facebook? No. No. no? Missed it. Yeah. Okay. I'll pull that up here in a second. And then uh, anniversaries, Dwayne Sand, six years yesterday. Yeah. Oh, oh, way wow. to go, Sam. Way to go. Yep. Yeah. Congratulate. Congratulations, Dwayne. And happy birthday to everybody. Man, yeah, a that's lot a lot of, of birthdays. Yeah, a lot of birthdays there. So Susan Pulciani said, I would like to thank the JFW family for the birthday wishes. Sorry not getting back to you sooner. We've just been going through a pile of mail and found your card. Uh, uh, Thank you. Sorry. I'm extremely appreciative of the support you have given Dan and I. It's been a godsend. Thank you, Susan Susan Pulciani. Pulciani. Yeah, you guys just keep getting... Weller, that doesn't even sound healthier. right. Better, he- healthier and healthier. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're we're yeah. pulling for you guys. Yeah, they've yeah. definitely faced some adversity yeah. here in the last several months, and got a lot to lot to be thankful for, and a lot to work for too. You know, yep. they've got a lot to pull through. Yep, good people too. Yep. Yeah. What do you got, Soup? Did you did you find it? Uh, no. No. Okay. I didn't look. Not a problem. <clears throat> There's also another anniversary yesterday. It's a really big one. Eighty-seven years. Uh, Eighty-seven. Wow. JFW had its anniversary yesterday. We've been here for 87 years. Yeah, crazy. That's a long time. That was 1935, right, guys? Yes, yes, you're right, Jim. The uh, when I seen that on the calendar yesterday, or you know, Sam's birthday, you know, it's there's a lot going on. Fourth of July, Independence, all that kind of stuff. But I looked at the picture on the wall because we, I think that's where we originally got the date of the two trucks sitting at at uh, Sam Slagle's house and. I could, the picture is small enough or old enough. I couldn't tell what the trucks were, what brand they were, right. Dave. Uh, and it's but they're single axles and the big old tires and you know you tell it split rims and uh, you know just they didn't even. It's a black and white photo, so you can't even tell colors or anything like that. But yeah, just 1935. It just yeah, it's amazing. It's crazy. Think about all the things that happen in 87 years. Yeah. Right, Jim? Right? Yeah. And you look at that picture and you think, ah, oh, you know, those are just like steak bed trucks, you know. They were big trucks in 1935, oh, right? you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, heavy yeah. heavy steels oh, and metals yeah. and yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was Tires back when stuff. steel was steel. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was sitting here looking at this outline this morning. I was thinking, 87 years, hmm, you think I'll be still here at the 100th? anniversary it's only 13 years you better be i know but i'll be 74 years old and oh. i thought ah, i'll be retired by then and i thought well wait a minute marty's 74 <laughs> <laughs> right? he's right? still here the <laughs> 70s the new 30 dave <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, shout outs i want to give a shout out to the jfw family we raised 290 dollars for the hope for my city outreach event that paco and lauren Nahara are involved with and of course, JFW's gonna match that. So great nice. job, everybody! Yeah, right yeah. on. So yeah, thanks everybody. Appreciate it. Great yeah. job. Very cool. Yeah. And a quick shout out to Paco too. He's he's needs to or he has to speak in front of his church tomorrow night. Dave, yes. was it tomorrow oh, did, night? Did he yeah. Talk to you guys about that? Yeah, yeah. And he was a little nervous and stuff. And huh. yeah, yeah. I didn't know about that. That's yeah. He's going to talk about different trades. If I I kind of came in in the back of the conversation, but exactly. Um, uh, trying to put a program together to help um, create some trades about the trades. You know, electrician, plumbers, truck drivers, all drywall. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I know he did some drywall work for 
somebody they reached out to asked him what what he needed and he's like i need some drywall work so about going in there and pat some holes for him he was telling super dave and i a little story and i i think you may need a tape measure (laughs) because he was kind of just standing and putting his hand on his pants for measurements (laughs) and then going over and making the mark was was the way i heard it (laughs) oh that's funny good stuff yeah austin lovejoy wants to give a shout out to chain who likes to go to buy chainsaw by the way uh chain drove his truck kept it clean and fueled it up and then he also wants to give stingray a shout out for helping him fix his pigtail so good job chain and stingray johnny b wants to give veronica a shout out for fueling and cleaning her windshield and um keeping his truck in good condition for the day ah very cool Yeah. yeah good stuff you guys and Aladdin wants to give a shout-out, uh, a big O shout-out to Edward for keeping his truck so clean it took him a minute to realize somebody drove it. Wow, very yeah, cool. Awesome. Good job. So, Thanks, you guys. You yeah. know, sometimes that's tough, too, for, like, over the Coors weekend, you know, being the holiday weekend, this main yard was, was pretty closed, and we did so much out of the west yard for Coors, so when we have an east yard person drive one of the west yard trucks, right. they don't know how to fuel up at Shoco. Right. So it's really a disadvantage. You know, they, they don't know where the cards are. They don't know how to use them. They haven't been exposed to that, right? right? Plus, we didn't train them. We didn't tell them, hey, yeah. you're driving that truck. Make sure we fuel it up. Yeah, like, I mean, totally set up for failure, right? So absolutely. Just to hear those things, because that's exactly what sounds like happened, yep. is very cool. Yeah, so I, I text Aladdin back. I'm like, I got you, Aladdin. Edward's good people, because the more I hear about Edward, the more I'm impressed. So he wrote back, hell yeah, feels awesome coming back to work and your truck is clean. For sure makes your day, man. Right. Right. And it's funny, because we're just talking about doing your job, right? Just, yeah. Just finding things and putting them back the way you found them or, yeah. you know, leaving it better than you found it. And when it happens, it really helps somebody out, you know, because if you're gone for a few days... You know the feeling. You you drive up to your truck and you open up that door, not knowing what to expect, and right. to find it better than you left it. You know, for Veronica to jump up on a tire and, and clean a windshield, you know, it's it's kind of above and beyond these days because people just don't do it. Right. You know. So great job, everybody. It, it is a little bit sad that it stands out so much, though, when it right. should be the norm. You right. know, the culture that we're trying to to create. Create, they yeah. Keep, yeah. Well, maybe we are. I mean, there's there's a couple shout-outs for people doing it. So yeah, absolutely. Maybe absolutely. it is starting to rub absolutely. off a little bit. Yeah. So you guys got any shout-outs for anyone? Rick, you I, want a shout-out to anybody? I would. You know, I, like you guys, travel the Denver roads all the time and driving all over the city, and I see JFW trucks everywhere. <laughs> and the thing that makes me proud to be um, – a partner with JFW is to see how these guys drive and I'll see some knuckleheads out there and the JFW guys are hey, they're doing the right things nice and it I just got to give credit to the guys because I know they work hard and it's nice to see true professionals that's awesome that is yeah, great thanks cool. Rick Thank you. good yeah, to hear yeah. great yeah thanks out. you guys I mean that's we talk about it all the time here's somebody that's just in their pickup you know the public and right. you never know who's watching, Rick. And you've listened to the podcasts, and we, we talk about it all the time. It's that, it's setting that tone and how it should be and, and what we need to create. So, yeah, thanks, everybody out there. Good job. Good job. Hi, Rick. Well, as we mentioned, we've been trying to get you on. Well, 
we say we've been trying to get you on it. We've talked about it for probably, I don't know, six, eight weeks. Hey, we should yeah, have Rick yeah, on. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, we only let you know maybe two weeks ago, but <laughs> it feels like we've been talking about it for a while. I know we've never been so prepared for a podcast because you insisted on it. So <laughs> that's good. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, this feels weird. We're actually preparing, you know, which is good. So thank you for that. But before we jump into it, t- tell us a little bit about yourself, Rick. What's a, what's a guy like you like to do on your days off? I like to spend time with my family. Um, nice. We uh, play a little golf. Um, I enjoy shooting. Nice. So it's one of those things where when the wife and I aren't doing things together, I'll go to the range, and she works out. Nice. Um, when my uh, son's home from college, you know, we've, I've taken him out to, like, Kiowa Creek, and we'll uh, shoot at the, you know, clay pigeons. And uh, here recently, I took my son out there, and it was funny because I hired a guy to give me some lessons, my son and I some lessons. Well, my stunt son starts shooting, and the guy looks at me, he goes, he doesn't need any lessons, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Me, on the other hand, is a whole different story, and we'll, uh, we'll leave that alone. But I, I get that. Anyway, uh, I appreciate you asking. Yeah, no problem. And then one more question before we jump in to see if we're even going to continue here. Who, <laughs> <laughs> What's wow. that supposed wow. to be? Wow. Who, who's your favorite customer? <laughs> uh, you, you don't have to answer that. I'm, just <laughs> I, I'm blessed. I have many. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Excellent. Well, Rick. Tell us how long you've been in the trucking industry and, and how did you get involved? Well, that, that's one question I'd like to claim the fifth on. Um, you guys know I've been around trucks for a number of years. And it's funny, I was thinking about how, thank you, how I got into the business. A, a long time ago, I had an old truck that, not a big truck, but a, an international truck, a travel all. Some of you may know what those are. The old travel all. The old travel all. Yeah. Well, I had to go into an international dealer to get parts, and there was a mechanic that I used to go into, and I would talk with this guy, and he couldn't have been nicer. And he really helped teach me how to do a lot of things. And I really thought the world of this guy, and I'd watch him working on big trucks, and somehow or another that just created the interest. And... I ended up going to school, uh, an automotive school, and the instructor I had, we were finishing up the program, and he came to me and one of the other guys in the class and said, I got you two knuckleheads a job at a uh, Audi and Porsche dealership. And you know, we thought, hey, we died and gone to heaven. And I looked at him and I said, you're gonna think I'm crazy, but I wanna work on trucks. And he said, do you realize what you're giving up? I said, um, I don't think I'm giving up anything. And this is the route that I wanted to go. And uh, I was working for a trash company of all places at that time. And uh, it was one of those things where I worked for two bosses who for various reasons went away and I was the last man standing. And uh, that was the first shop I ever managed. And I was a young kid and had no business doing that. And I told the owner that he needed to find a journeyman because I knew I didn't know what I was doing. And it was <laughs> How kind old of were funny. You? Oh, early 20s. Okay. And, you know, working six, seven days a week, 12, 14 hour days. It was, it was insane. But from that, um, you know, I went out to work for an independent diesel shop where we worked on anything we could push, pull, or drag in. 
And uh, remember the boss told me, he said, kid, I'm going to make a Detroit man out of you. Now, later on, when I realized what that meant, if I'd have known what that meant, I would have <laughs> ran out the back door. Um, that, but actually, it, it was a great learning environment. Had an opportunity to work, to work on a CAD engine at that independent shop, <clears throat> and none of us had ever worked on any CAD. So the boss said, hey, who wants to work on this? And I raised my hand and uh, really liked what I saw with that CAD engine. Prompted me to go to work to, to see if I could get a job with Wagner Equipment and ended up going to work for CAT, or for Wagner, rather, and really enjoyed that, and a tremendous place to learn, because they had great training programs, and it was all about doing things the right way. Mm. Um, then the economy took a nosedive, and this is back in the early 80s, mm. and uh, we were like cut back to like 32-hour work weeks, and we're all starving, and you know some of us are moonlighting on the side to make a living, and uh, I saw an ad in the paper. Now, this goes back a ways. <laughs> We're <laughs> looking at newspapers for job ads. <clears throat> and there was an ad in the paper, King Supers needed a mechanic. This one, they had their own, obviously, their own fleet, right. their own shop. Yeah. And so I applied, and there was a ton of us that applied for that job. And <clears throat> I knew there were guys that had a lot more experience than what I had. But one thing I had going for me is King's had bought some CAD engines and we were doing all their warranty work at Wagner. Huh. And so I told the guys, I said, hey, I know your equipment, and I can do this. And make a long story short, I got the job, and it was a, really a great opportunity. Nice. And uh, so I did that uh, for a couple of years, and I was working a graveyard shift. My, my days off were like uh, Sundays and Mondays. And I was thinking, you know, this is just not a great time i mean that's tough and, and, the, and the guys who work those shifts hey i take my hat off to them because you know you just got to have the right mindset for right. it and as luck would have it the guy that ran our shop he and his wife uh, decided they were going to cash out of corporate america and go travel the world and uh, he came to uh, myself and another guy I worked with on the night shift and told us what was going on and he and i always got along well and i was kind of a smart aleck with him on occasion i said so what kind of a knucklehead are we going to end up with for a boss and he said bowen come on up to my office i need to talk to you and so everybody's laughing they think i'm in trouble <laughs> and so we go up there and i said hey i'm sorry steve and he goes no he says i got a question for you would you be interested in my job and you could have pushed me over with a feather i i couldn't believe it and i said i, I don't have the experience he said, you get along well with people and you do great. He said, I know you care a lot and that caring is more important than, and we can train you how to manage. And I said, I'm honored. I said, I would love the opportunity. So ended up um, running King Shop for several years and really loved it. What, what a wonderful company. And, you know, back then, you know, on the side of all of our trailers, you know, their slogan was, our people make a difference. Yeah or make the difference, and I really felt that they believed that, and they made you feel that way, and it was a wonderful place to work. Um, then a job opening came up with a, a bigger fleet, and I had aspirations of wanting to run more than a shop, and uh, I had an opportunity uh, to go to work for Loprino Foods and became their fleet maintenance manager, and that was a big job. 
and we had shops from New York to California, uh, distribution centers that we spec the equipment for uh, and help them maintain, you know, in some of the locations. Um, anyway, wonderful company. Their focus on quality and doing things right was um, a, a maintenance guy's dream because they wanted those trucks, just like you guys, they wanted those trucks to look beautiful. They didn't, if a truck didn't look right, you could get a phone call from the owner. And I did. <laughs> um, wow. It was interesting because if, and you, you didn't want many of those phone calls. One was enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I got a phone call from the, the owner of the company, and he's out in uh, Tracy, California, sees one of our trucks going down the highway, and she wasn't clean. And he just called me up and he says, can you help me? And there's only, the right thing was, yes, sir, it'll be done before the end of today. Oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, so it was great experience. And one of the saddest days of my life and my career path was when I heard that uh, we knew they were going to sell the trans division. Mm. And uh, it was, it, I didn't want to leave the company, but there was no place for me to go. Right. Um, yeah. So I ended up, we were a test fleet for Carrier Transcold, the other refrigerated uh, refrigeration manufacturer. Back then, we would all laugh because Carrier was uh, such a small company compared to Thermal King, which was the 800-pound gorilla at the time. We were a test fleet for them, and I saw how well Carrier was improving their product, and I knew that they were going to catch Thermal King. Mm -hmm. And they needed a regional sales manager uh, to work for them. And, and Carrier liked technically driven guys. And so I threw my name in the hat and ended up going to work for them and was a regional sales manager for close to a decade. Wow. And that, that was a good run. Great company. Uh, wonderful training programs. And then I had uh, a son come into the world. And I didn't want to be an absentee dad. And it, that was one of those things where, uh, to me, family's always been more important than anything. And uh, so one of my customers actually was looking for a you know, guy to run the maintenance department. And it w enabled me to get off the road and get back into the maintenance field. And uh, so I did that for, oh, shoot, another 12 years. And I happened to be over at MHC one day, and I was actually inspecting some trucks that we were buying. And but my career path, like <laughs> with Kenworth, has been kind of interesting because I'd bought different trucks along my past, and but kept going back to buying Kenworths and working with MHC because they always took care of me. I mean, and the, just the quality of how they did things, and I always felt good about the, the product. And so I was over signing for some trucks, and uh, my boss brought up that um, they were short a couple of sales guys. Well, my smart Alex side comes out, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, Kenworth's tagline is the world's best truck. So I asked him, I said, well, how hard is it selling the world's best truck, for God's <laughs> sake? <coughs> and so he, you know, kind of had a little fun with me. He says, well, I got two offices open. Which one do you want? And anyway... We just joked about it, and I went back to work. Three o'clock the next morning, you know, 3 a.m., I'm staring at the ceiling thinking that, you know, I would really love to do that. Ah. So I called him up and asked, who do I need to talk to? And he said, well, I can't talk to you because you work for a customer, and we just, we just can't hire you. And I went, shoot, 
hmm, looks like I got to be unemployed for a while. I did and ended up going to work for MHC um, going on a little over three and a half years ago. An- another classy thing about MHC, you know, yeah. telling you that, Rick, you know, you yeah. were, you, you were working for a customer. You weren't stealing their people. That's good. It's good stuff. You yeah. know, there's, there's a work around that and you did it, but you know, good, good, good points with MHC. Absolutely. That's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it's been a, you know, when I look back, um, when I think of all the wonderful people I've had the privilege of working with and getting to know, um, I wouldn't trade anything. I really wouldn't. Yeah, it's funny listening to you, Rick. We, I mean, I'm sure Dave did the same thing. We can walk through like history and how close we were of of knowing each other and running into each other because we did all the snow removal at the at the main yard for King Supers for several years. And they were they were fanatic about wanting their yard cleaned and how it was done. And over at the was it the bakery side, Dave? We'd go over right next to the shop and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that bakery yep. side, and we'd do that and all that kind of stuff. And that was in the in the '80s there, maybe maybe early '90s. And then you know when you talk about cat engines, our trucks, the Fords we bought in the early '80s, they were all Cummins. And our our you know our peak motor or our our uh, prize was being able to have a cat motor in our trucks. You know, that was always more money and everything else than a Cummins. And to get our first trucks with cats, we were like, man, we got, we got badass trucks now and, right. and you know, yeah. badass engines. So, like, when you talk about Wagner and cat, that was a, another goal of ours. And then you get to Laprino, and there again, you were back to some badass trucks, you know, yeah. big road trucks, beautiful, beautiful trucks. Always a. I don't think people really realize when you talk about Laprino, who they were and who they still are. Exactly. You know, I mean, the, I just looked them up a month and a half ago or something like that because there was an article in the paper about some family dynamic that's changing. And they are not the countries. They are the world's largest mozzarella cheese producer. The world's largest mozzarella cheese producer. I mean, that's solely... Where Papa John's, Domino's, and Pizza Hut gets their cheese, which you'd mentioned that when we spoke a week or two ago, Rick. That you know back then they were they were tied up with Domino's. I don't even know if Papa John's existed. Yes, back, did they really? That must have been back east, because mm-hmm. to me they didn't make it out here until you know twenty years ago or whatnot. But yeah, I mean they're they're they are just this massive entity, you know. And when you talk about their trucks and their facility and all of that it's just hands down it was it was just class all the way across well they, they truly World class you know embrace quality in everything that they do. yes yes one thing was interesting they recognized that they needed to drive quality you know in all the cheese plants and so they wanted to create four um, pilot quality teams just to see how the quality team approach would work within the company and my boss was in one of these executive meetings and said, I want one in my maintenance department. So yours truly ended up going through the training, how to uh, create and facilitate a quality team approach to problem solving. And it was a wonderful experience. In fact, uh, our maintenance shop, uh, we had two quality teams, one in the trailer slash refrigeration side of the house then the other was on the truck side and both the quality teams won awards almost every year 
because of process improvements and driving costs the right way. Wow. And, and what was really cool is looking at how the, the mechanics really embraced what we were doing. I mean, those guys knew the problems way better than I ever would. And when we were smart enough to open up the door and listen to them, the, the great ideas that came from them to fix some of the things that we had going on was just phenomenal to watch. And uh, to be a part of that, I look back and I was, I, I was lucky, you know, to be a part of it. Sure, sure. And I, I apologize. I did a terrible job introducing Rick. If you haven't figured it out yet, Rick is actually our, our Kenworth salesperson. He's the one that sells us all of our Kenworth. So you could thank him for the pretty red trucks. Yeah, I was going to jump in there and do it at the end. You know, when you mentioned, Jam, that we've, we've talked about having Rick on here for several weeks. You know, and, and, and it is because of his background, Rick, that, you know, you just walked through your, your employment history. But having you as a salesman and, and Jam joking with the outline having to be laid out here, that's what you've brought to the table for us as far as ordering a truck and you know dave is pretty good about coming up with questions about a truck right rick i mean he's, <laughs> he, kind of, he kind of bleeds that but you're also passionate about finding that answer and learning about that answer and and getting us you know maybe two choices of of whatever it might be tire size or or whatever or brand and mixing that that this is going to be the best option for us and and jam we've you know and for the audience out there we've enjoyed our relationship for the last what two two and a half years now rick you've you've been with mhc or our almost three and a half three and a half or our salesman anyway uh -huh. right or yeah. well we did the 40 kenworths two and a half years ago Jim. yeah yeah 2020 i mean you know 2019 is when yeah. we did that yeah. but i mean we got them in 2020 <clears throat> so yeah it's yeah. always hard to keep the right crossing yeah. the order lines and when we get the right. trucks right yeah so yeah jam it was yeah. it's important are, for everybody to know what a great job he's done for us are yeah. all the salesmen gearheads so do they all have or some of these guys like oh this is cool it has accident mitigation you should get it i know that's a question for rick but no we can answer that jam yeah yeah we've we've struggled with salesmen right. that we teach and it's funny because <laughs> it's funny because i had no idea until last week rick when you when you came by and we were kind of just bouncing some of my ideas around i had no idea what your background was i was like holy cow this dude's serious because you know you see a salesman and you, you look like a salesman now you know what i mean you, <laughs> you, you dress very nice he's looking and, good this morning yeah, yeah. yeah he's I dressed for a honored. podcast i'm glad i wore my <laughs> <laughs> so he's got a face for radio <laughs> He, he, knew, he knew we were filming. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, yeah, I see that up there on that picture right there. That's that's where we're filming you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really cool that he has a background that he has, and when you say something, we could believe it. You know, like this truck well, can do this or it can't do this. Oh, know? I gotta throw props out to you too, Rick, because you do know. After the Ford LTL 9000s, we were a Peterbilt house. <laughs> yep, <laughs> so, big time. Yeah, yeah. right. Yep. Yeah, and we, we did try the two Kenworths, Dave. Remember what? Yeah, 90, they lasted four years. Well, I yeah, know they 95s? Big, yeah, they were right? 94s. Uh, 94s? Yeah. And uh, yeah, Rick, the, I mean, the salesman at that time was like, oh, you don't want that. Oh, you don't want that. Oh, you don't want that. And we're like, what do you need a CD player in your radio for? Well, because we want it. It's nice yeah. to provide our drivers with. Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, you don't need that. Yeah. Why it do you want to ride cab? Because it's comfortable. <laughs> oh, you don't need that. 
All right. Is it your truck or ours? <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're paying the bill, that's what we want. Yep. You know, yeah. that's and and that was before MHC. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Rick, can you can you picture yourself doing something different? I mean, other than maintenance and technical stuff and selling chemworks, is there a completely different industry that ever caught your attention? I had the uh, pleasure of doing some volunteer work with, uh, like, the Denver Big Brothers Association. Oh, nice. And I was a big brother for five years, and I look back on programs like that that need people to help them, and I've often thought that if I wouldn't have done that, I would have loved to have done something working with kids. Ah, that's um, awesome. Honestly, that's probably the would have been my second choice. So the, the your boss at Kings was right. You're good with people, and yeah, they're, they're, if you can learn how to deal with people and kids, and yeah. well, the rest comes easy. Yep. So yeah. definitely. Hey, you gave your time for a lot of years as a as an Eagle Scout, Rick. No, or, I was in, in the Cub Scouts. We were Cub Scout. I was like a den leader for a little while, and then a pack leader, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's that's good to give to the kids. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Can you talk about the uh, evolution of the transportation industry a little bit, things you're seeing, safety devices, the disc brakes, ABS? You mentioned roll stability systems the other day. Now these trucks have accident mitigation, stuff like that. Can you, can you tell us about what you're seeing and what you like and what you don't like? You, you bet. You know, when I think back of going, let's say, several years ago, <laughs> um, when the industry saw a need for something as simple as a automatic slack adjuster. Um, Loprino was involved with uh, NHTSA in uh, vetting out what automatic slack adjusters could really do and how they needed to be maintained. So I had the, the privilege of working with a brake engineer from NHTSA a long, long time ago. And this gentleman helped educate me on what was coming, ABS systems. and. Uh -huh. Anyway, um, from that, we, we recognized that ABS was going to be a huge benefit to our industry uh, from a stopping performance, keeping the vehicles stable, you know, during inclement weather, um, <laughs> trying to prevent tire flat spotting, all those <laughs> wonderful things. Um, and from the advent of ABS, Roll stability was one of those systems that was a wonderful additional program because you had all these sensors and modulation valves that could basically pulsate the vehicle's braking system where with the right sensors, meaning you know a roll sensor, a yaw sensor, uh, you could prevent a vehicle from rolling over in a lot of cases. Not all, of course. Uh, somebody drives off the road, truck go over, but um, I have seen firsthand where these systems have literally saved a catastrophic failure. Um, and I was tickled to death to see when NHTSA finally mandated the roll stability systems back in 2017. Hmm. Personally, I felt they waited too long. I wish they would have done it uh, sooner. Um, in one of my uh, roles as a uh, maintenance manager, I worked for a company where uh, they had a rollover a year at this one location. And when I heard that, I'm like, well, 
what's causing this? I mean, the, the, this is not good. I mean, we, we, we got to fix this. Make a long story short, uh, we put roll stability systems on those trucks, never had a rollover there again. Wow. Uh, now, there's a lot of driver training that went into that because when we first put them in, a week after the trucks went into service, we're getting all these complaints from the driver saying, something's driving my truck or my throttle's coming off. And I'm like, the system's doing its job. Well, uh, we were able to take, or, or actually, I took the Bendix software, downloaded the ECM in the truck for the Bendix system, and it showed me the number of interventions that was taking place. Right. And when I saw how severe it was, I mean, it told me that we needed to do some driver training now. And so we got the guys together, and we explained to them what was going on. And then once the drivers understood, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, um, I should have, before we put that system in place, got all those drivers together and educated them and been way more proactive. And I think that if we would have done the right thing by being proactive with them, we wouldn't have had any complaints. And one, once right. guys understood how that system worked, they loved it. Yeah, we learned that over here too. It's better to tell people ahead of time. Can you, <laughs> can you explain how the roll stability system works? Well, with a combination of sensors, so it's looking at, uh, let's say, steering wheel position, vehicle speed, um, lateral motion. Basically, it has like a gyroscope inside the truck. So if a guy is coming into a corner too fast, the system can tell that, hey, I need to slow down. So, you know, it's got like five different levels of intervention from momentarily breaking the throttle, fully breaking the throttle, fully breaking the throttle, light brake application, moderate brake application, everything she's got to prevent a rollover. Wow. And it, it's true, truly amazing watching them work. And years ago, I was at the Eaton Proving Grounds in uh, Michigan, and this is where they were showcasing how well the ABS systems worked. And there was a, a lady that was their test track driver and driver trainer worked for Eaton and I'll tell you what boys this lady knew how to drive a truck until she was fun to watch and we all happen to be in a truck with her and she's driving through these pylons without the ABS system on and we've got outriggers on the back of the trailer and we can see that this thing would have went over oh wow and then she turns the ABS system on, comes through the pylons actually faster. And I'm thinking, oh, no, this is a train wreck. We're going over. And she just drove through it like it was nothing. And it proved to us just how well those systems could work. And one story I, I shared with you a few days ago, while we were with this uh, driver trainer, she said, guys, uh, if you ever have a trailer that swings out, I want to show you how to do a U-turn on, on, on an interstate. And I'm like, U-turn on the interstate? What do you mean? So we're all in the truck with her. And so she's going through these, uh, down this test track, forces the trailer to swing out, and then literally drives away from the trailer and keeps the throttle on. And we did a U-turn on this test track. Wow. And all of us were just in awe. And uh, so anyway, just a shout out to, I, I wish I re remembered that lady's name, but uh, she was phenomenal. Uh, how many, how wide was the uh, track that you did a U-turn on? Was it just like a three lane or? 
she was telling us that like on a two lane with let's say the sides of the road and everything now of course I, i'm trying to remember if trailers were 53 foot back then right probably not probably uh, 48 <laughs> you know, uh, or even 45 that's pretty badass one thing we're super excited about is the accident mitigation systems have you you got any stories about those have you seen them work in action as any customers called you and said thank you <laughs> We've had a lot of wonderful feedback. Uh, I think the the hardest point is, you know, the the driver the first time he gets in one, that feeling of hey this, you know, quite often, and, and I'm guilty as anybody, so I'm not speaking out of school where my following distance isn't as as ideal as it should be, and quite often with especially the traffic we have in the Denver metro area. It's hard for a guy to have that safe zone because people are always pulling in front of them. And, you know, I like to share with drivers, I always ask them, who's the professional out there? Mm. It's us. Right. We're, we're the professionals. So, right. hey, even though people are cutting off our safe zone, we still got to make it work. Well, the collision mitigation systems let you know if you've compromised that safe zone. And uh, some drivers have a hard time getting used to it. Mm. Uh, but one thing that I have seen even guys who were adamant about not wanting it, that over time where they've come back and said, you know, that really works. Yeah. And, uh, and I like that. And, you know, and I, I think of a similar story with automatic transmissions. I remember years ago, I had a guy that came into my office, and I honestly thought he and I were going to start wrestling. <laughs> and uh, he, he was, there was no way he was going to drive that truck and, uh, with an automatic transmission. And he'd been with us for a long time. He was a good driver. And he was just adamant about not wanting to drive that truck. So I pleaded with him. I begged him. I said, hey, just give it a day or two days. And he said, finally, he you know, agreed because I just kept, hey, I need you to set an example for the rest of the guys, and you're important to us. Well, the guy gets in the truck. I don't see him all week. And I'm thinking, oh, no, Charlie quit. <laughs> I called down a dispatch, and I said, hey, how's Charlie doing? Where is he? Oh, Rick, he loves that new truck. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I said, would you call me when he hits the fuel island? So he comes in that afternoon. I go out to the fuel island, and I ask him, I said, hey, how are you and that new truck getting along? Now, he looks over his shoulder, looks all the way around to see who's there to listen. And he says, get over here. So I go over, and he goes, don't take me out of this new truck. He says, I love this automatic transmission. <laughs> so we both laughed about that. And it was cool because the story he shared with me that he felt that it helped him in traffic-dense environments. So when the traffic was really thick, he could concentrate on the what I affectionately call the crazy motoring public. Um, and he felt he was a safer driver. And nice. at the end of the day, he wasn't as tired. He, f he felt more refreshed. And I just thought, boy, what, what a wonderful uh, experience to see how these guys embrace technology and where it really works and, and helps. Yeah, I have a similar story because I, I, I was in a brand-new 18-speed, and I thought I was Billy Badass. And one day I came in, and you know my boss is like, oh, that, that's your new truck there. And it was a brand-new automatic, and I was – kicking and screaming for about two weeks and then i was like man i hope they don't remember that i said i don't want this truck because it was truly better and to me it's just it's like a tv 
how many people do you know that still want to watch a tube television with, with a dial on it with no remote? As technology improves, we usually conform and admit it's better. So I don't know what the hang-up is, but same thing here. People didn't like the automatics. Now they like them. For me, if there's, <clears throat> I mean, we don't really have any left, but, well, a couple. If there was a 13-speed and automatic parked next to each other and I got to go do something, I'm taking automatic every right. time. You right. know? I want to buy a Cadillac with a with yeah. a manual transmission. I, I would like to add something to that, though. the The early prototypes were not what they are today. the The very first automatics were not as smooth or as efficient, and they would they were hard. These ones today are are like driving a car. They shift when you want them to. They don't shift too often, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, the older ones, and, and I go back to the auto shifts that had a clutch in them, they, and part of the problem was because the engine didn't communicate with the transmission very well, and now it's all integrated, right? But the, the improvement has been night and day. In the I, last I couldn't agree with you more because I, yeah. I went through the <clears throat> same dilemma back in the early 90s when we were testing the first automatics, and this was at Loprino Foods. It was tough, to say the least. Uh, but fast forward to where we're at today, uh, I think they are so intuitive. You know, a good driver just, he knows how to let it flow. And, and right. most guys say, I don't even take it out of drive anymore. If they're, you know, running in the right areas, I'll put it. Um, you know, today, approximately 70, 75% of the trucks we sell have automatics. Uh, in some trucks, like in our over-the-road trucks, we're actually in the 85 to 90 percent range, so not too many people are asking for manuals anymore. Isn't it pretty much a standard order now, Rick, to to come with a an AMT or an automatic? Yes, sir. Yeah. So I mean, you almost have to spec a manual transmission, correct? Right. Like a low boy truck or you know something that fits that need, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And there are some applications where the guys they they love what that 18 speed can do, and hey, we understand that, but that, yeah. and that's why. You know, what I love about, you know, what we do is, I mean, it's truly a custom-built truck. Yeah. I think it's funny how we've sat here this morning, and <clears throat> every time there's new technology available, at some point, we're kicking and screaming about it. <laughs> you know, that, oh, this isn't going to work, this isn't going to work. And I mean, we've sat here for a year now complaining about electric trucks. You guys have some in now, you know, going to be able to come test them today, right? Correct. Have the, have the big wigs in from... From Kenworth, Kenworth today, and and going to be able to go talk to them about it and whatnot. And I just think it's funny because Jim and I banter back and forth, and <clears throat> you know, not to get political, but the administration and the way things are being kind of forced on us. But go back in time, and I just mentioned to you this morning, you know, if we walked into anyone's garage here and said, "Hey, give me your electric drill back," that's <laughs> never going to work. Everybody'd be like, "Bullshit! I love my electric drill. That works great." You know, and, and then we talked about, we'll go back to Henry Ford, you know, and he's producing several hundred cars a day, you know, and there aren't even gas stations to get between here in New York or L.A. or whatever. But by God, he's making them and they're selling them and people want them, you know, and I, I just it's funny. You know, you talk about <clears throat> I think it was 1994 that automatic slack adjusters became mandatory, right? Mm -hmm. I think it was 94. Yep. Then when did ABS become mandatory? Was that 99, 2000, Rick? I mean, I think maybe we had it prior before, to that. Yeah. Just we were able to spec it before, but it, it was like a lot of things. 
Yeah. I I think you're close. Yeah, somewhere in there. But I I guess, you know, the advent of all those things, you know, when we first got the automatic slack adjusters and, you know, I don't know how many we had. We weren't weren't as technology driven back then. You know, we'd... We didn't have the ability to be, you know, we were kind of forced to run what we had mm-hmm. and didn't have the advantages of all the technology then. And I know when we did get one and, you know, I'm making it up, we may have had one failure out of 12 and it's like, oh, those are never going to work when in actuality, hey, listen, the other 11 are amazing. You know, we had one fail and it was just a failure, kind of random, whatever the case may be. But, you know, now you step up to disc brakes to, you know, the roll stability, the just all of the technology that has made our industry as a whole better. And that's what we talk about on the podcast constantly is how do we be better? How do we create a better driver? How do we create a safer environment? You know, trucking, especially the end up industry, has a horrible reputation. We have a horrible reputation in town. And when I say we, the gravel industry as a whole, and that's been been Jim and I and JFW's approach is, we need to change this industry. We need to make this industry better. The only way we can do it is talk about it, preach about it, try and have good equipment, try and have a culture and better better practices in place so we create a better, safer environment, right? You have to start somewhere, and at least if you're involved in it, people start seeing that, you know, and you preach about the culture and you talk about the things. So I guess just the advent of evolution you know, we'll just continue getting better. I, you know, maybe in a decade, we'll have a whole fleet of electric trucks. Who knows? You know, I, 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 I want to believe that on one hand and on the other. Man, I'm standing here fighting, shaking my head. No way. No freaking way. It's not going to be possible. But who knows? You know, like, like you said about being political, though, Dave, I think that's the, the you know, the onset of, I was thinking as Rick was doing this, that automatic slack adjusters. I mean, that's a game changer, right? Not have to make, adjust your brakes and make sure the button on the slack adjusters popped up or it didn't stay down or it didn't back off and you having to do it every day. I I remember when they were coming out and that was just, that was just fantastic, but that was a natural evolution of being better. And and Rick, you got to agree with me there is, you know, then you go to your ABS and you didn't think they brought out, uh, you know, stability control fast enough, but the electric truck that's not to make us better. Well, it, it is if you want to call you know carbon, but it's being forced there. It's not <clears throat> being brought to us organically. Like right. here's a problem with the brakes. Right. Let's make an automatic slack. It's adjustment. not a safety thing. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things we talked about about that is, you know, just kind of like I mentioned, you know, Henry Ford making all these cars. People wanted those cars, mm-hmm. right? There, there was a need. People were lined up. He couldn't make them fast enough. That's not the case with the trucks right now, right? I mean, I don't think there's a thousand customers placing orders for fifty thousand trucks. Ele- electric, electric, Excuse yeah, me. yeah. So electric and, trucks. And Rick, yeah. you you can prove me wrong. If there are, I believe it's because they're being the demand is there because they're being required to do that. Correct. You know, the, we all know the, that whether it's you know the EPA or CARB, especially in California, where they right. got mandates in place whereby twenty thirty. Uh, 2027 there's certain production levels OEMs have to hit for selling trucks into California right I don't want to put you on the spot Rick but isn't that and I have the numbers wrong you may not know them but what is it like two of every 10 trucks need to be electric in California by for sales David we've got a presentation on this so we and and I don't remember all that off the top of my head but 
it's very aggressive. And considering, you know, we're you know certainly at an early stage. Now, some of the EV trucks have been under test for some time now, which thank goodness for that. Uh, even hydrogen-powered trucks have been on tests for several years. Um, so there, there's definitely some cool things that are coming down the pike. Now, whether or not the infrastructure will be ready on time, that's <laughs> right. a big question. Um, yeah. And I think that uh, there are customers of ours that we're working with that recognize that in like a very localized environment, the EVs can play a good role for them. Now, we all recognize that the cost for the EVs right now is extremely high. Uh, the, the good news, there are some entities, like out in California, they, they have what's called the HBIP program that is a voucher-based program which uh, provides a substantial uh, benefit to that end user to make it a lot more affordable. So they're, they're, they're trying to put seed money out there to get people to right. buy in. Right. <clears throat> Very cool. I wanted to roll back to the accident mitigation real quick because this will be interesting for you to know, Rick. So right now we had, well, we had two trucks in the fleet with accident mitigation. Our cameras also have artificial intelligence that will alert a driver and us when they're following too close. It'll only go off once we're one second or less behind the other vehicle above 45 miles an hour. I'll have to check with Stingray and Dustin, and maybe JR would know, but my understanding is those two trucks, our cameras aren't picking up following too close because the accident mitigation and the adaptive cruise control are backing them off before that. So that's yeah, a little, awesome. little piece of information I thought you might like. You bet. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that's what Dustin has told me. Yeah. I was like, does your camera talk to you? And he goes, no. The Never. truck does. The truck does, yeah. <laughs> The truck so, catches it first. Mm -hmm. uh, very cool. Well, but I think because the truck is set up more than one second, more more aggressive. I, yeah, call yeah. It whatever the. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know I just ran up to Lake McConaughey this weekend over the fourth, and my wife's car has the adaptive cruise in it, and you can set how close you want to be, want to follow that car. <laughs> In front of you, right? Uh, or whatever half a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, if I don't have eight feet, it's not close enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're only running 92 that, miles an hour. Eight that, feet's fine. That's <laughs> drafting. <laughs> I need fuel mileage, right? Come on, five bucks a gallon. No, no it, it amazed me because I, I, if I was running the cruise like I used to, you know, you'd I would roll up on that vehicle, right. you know, and pretty soon I'd find myself like, oh my gosh, I'm really pushing this guy and I'd have to drop back. Because <laughs> you wanted to get the hell out of the way, <laughs> right? It's like, hey, lead follower, get out of the way, right? That's right. <laughs> but anyway, the, the adaptive, you'd roll up on him and it's just, it's so fluid now, you know, the vehicle just slows a little bit and you have your four second following distance. And I really got to counting it and checking it and I'm like, wow, this is just spot on. You know, and then you'd have a car roll up on you and be like, this is BS. And they just go around <laughs> you, get right in front of you and push that guy that you're not pushing. Right. You know, and it's like, ah, this is this is exactly what we talk about yep. all day, every day on every podcast, you know, about being better and whatnot. But, ah, I, I mean, that's what we're faced with, right? Yeah. But it was impressive that car had the technology and, and just 
you know, it's been around for years, and that's what the trucks have. They're capable of that, mm-hmm. and that's what they do. And they do it flawlessly just like that. So That's interesting because I was using the adaptive on, uh, on our Ram this weekend, and I had it set at like 72, and the car in front of me was doing 65, and it held me up at 65. But I started counting, and it's only given me at its highest setting, its furthest setting, about two seconds of falling wow. distance. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I want it to be further. But it was it was two seconds at like 65, 70 miles an hour. Wow. Yeah. Well, so. that's because the computer's reaction time is a fraction of yours. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if I was eating cereal or texting <laughs> yeah. while my car is driving itself. Yeah, You've been fine. slapping your hands, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Rick, what's your absolute favorite piece of technology? Dave and Jim will laugh at this. Let's nerd out a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Brother Dave had the misfortune of sitting next to me on an airplane (laughs) once upon a time. And uh, one of the things that I've embraced for a long time is looking at how you can program a truck to make it easier for a driver to drive, uh, safer, uh, improve fuel economy, all those things. And when I think of the, you know, and I apologize, Dave, several times for this, because <laughs> we, we were talking about programming for more than a couple hours, and it, it was fun because when we came back, then Jim and Mikey got involved in the conversation, and we really worked hard on getting the trucks programmed the way JFW wanted them. Awesome. And so I, I love that technology, and it's one of those things where as the trucks keep getting more and more complex, it's mind-boggling what we can do. Uh-huh. Um, I want to say most of it's all good. Uh, so I, th- I think that there's some cool things there. You know, some of the you know technologies we've talked about. I've been a huge fan of disc brakes forever because mm-hmm. um, I've seen how disc brakes have prevented catastrophic mm-hmm. accidents. Uh, we talked about the ABS, the collision mitigation system. I think that you know those are no-brainers to me. One thing that I think is cool that's coming out is going to be um, cameras replacing the mirrors on the outside of the trucks. Wow. So on the A-pillars, you know, inside of the truck, you'll have a display screen, and you can adjust that display screen. (laughs) And uh, I had the opportunity to drive a truck with those on board, and the quality of your vision behind you is amazing. Wow. So there's definitely some cool things coming. coming that is out. very cool. I, I hope it's uh, Dad got a new Cadillac um, with his like his dream car. He keeps telling me and Dave this is his last car because he thinks he's passing away. But it, that that's that's a dad <laughs> thing there. Yeah. Like, yeah, and Dad, this is your fourth last car. Just so you <laughs> yeah, <know. laughs> yeah, since realistic. But anyway, Rick, his his the Cadillac has where you can put the screen up on the dash and it has it in the rearview mirror. So you you. You don't have to look through the windshield. You can just look at his dash and drive the car in front of you. You wow. know, dr- drive it forward, right? But then it's got everything in the rearview mirror, giving you the the everything behind you. And then you know, as as the mirror. And when I've driven it a couple times, I was like, Dad, can you shut this off? This is 
it's like makes you seasick or uh. something because it's it's too much visual. You're like, well, I'm, I'm watching a car go by me. I see it in the mirror, and I just pass me in the dash. And you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute, wait a minute. So I hope it's not quite that crazy. No. But the 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 vision on just the it's like playing a video game. It's just in front of you. You, right. know, you don't have to look out the windshield. It's it's crazy. What, what, what was amazing? They were showing us where when a guy's backing up. It's like you can almost see around a corner. Oh, I mean, wow. the, the visibility a guy has behind him, I'm like, how do they do that? Right, I, that, that. I can't answer that question, but it was uh, impressive to see. Yeah, that 360 view out of, a, out of just a, a lens in front of you is, is crazy, isn't it, Rick? Yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. One of the big things Rick taught me, and I'd never heard it until he said it, and he, he said it multiple times. This was years ago when we were first getting to know him, and now I hear it constantly is the devil's in the details. I had never heard that until I was around you, Rick, and it is so spot on, and those details are the programming things, the items that are available, and they are things that, yeah, we've had failures in some of the components or the technology, but when it works, it is amazing, and what I'm leading up to is, you know, like when we engage the PTO, we can set it so it doesn't allow the truck to go over five miles an hour. Well, in the years past, it's not like it was a huge problem, but we had ruined PTOs or transmissions mm -hmm. because we had left them engaged and drove off. We drove to the pit with the PTO engaged, ruined it, right? Or, you know, we had one where the PTO was engaged. The driver was driving down the interstate, answered his phone, and this was back in the day he had a bag phone. When he pulled the cord up, it hooked his raise control because it was in the cab between the seats. The trailer was going up, going down the road, and we damn near took out uh, Evans bridge oh, wow. yeah. I, alameda yeah. alameda it? bridge alameda, yeah. Dave, alameda on i-25 we hit the bridge we were responsible for it till the next person hit the bridge so i mean the technology that's there is phenomenal right you engage the pto your airbags automatically drop i don't know how many airbags we've blown how many shocks we've broken you know in the years past this technology eliminates all of those problems you know does it bring on an onset of of more possibly we've ran into some scenarios where yeah, we've we've got it dialed into where we know where the failure is. We can work through it now. When it when we first got it, it was like, oh my God, what did we do, mm -hmm. right? But able to get through it. So I guess it's like everything else, you know. When when the automatic slack adjusters came out, did we think they were perfect? No, but they did make us better, you know. So I I believe this this technology makes us better, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah, all all good stuff. Yeah, the one I pops into my head, Dave, just because I just moved the, the new truck, 0011, was we took it over to Rick or to MHC, and we had the urge to move programmed in it, Rick. And, and you know, we have where we've changed some programming, and we l lose the urge to move, and the driver doesn't realize it, or, or we haven't driven it and, and don't know how valuable it is. And I moved the truck out of the wash bay, and Mike's like, hey, just so you know, the urge to move doesn't work in that truck. It's not programmed yet. And I'm like, okay, Mike, no big deal. You know, and I get in it and I push the button and let off the brake and the truck just sits there, you know, and I'm like, wow, it's not moving, you know, and I, I you know, make sure the brake's in, you know, I put it in drive, I put it in reverse and it beeps, you know, I put it in first, I, I drop it down, the truck just sits there and it still hadn't dawned on me that Mike told me the urge to move doesn't work, right, you know, and so I'm like, Oh, urge to move doesn't work, you know? So I step on the fuel, and I'm in reverse. That truck launches. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and out the door I go, and I'm like, holy shit, you know? So I hit the brakes, and 
let off the brake, truck doesn't move again. You know, I'm like, <laughs> this is going to be fun. And, and what a great thing that urge to move is if, yeah. if it's, if it's working. You I know? love so, the urge to move. Right. It know? just makes oh, all this. Yeah. yeah. The freight liners don't have that. And I'm like, oh, this, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was just, it was just so funny how that, you know, and, you know, laughing because Mike, hey, the urge to move doesn't work in that truck. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people jump in these trucks and they don't realize how much thought went into the programming of the truck oh absolutely no idea you know right, just yeah. like well brand new truck cool let's go trucking well there was a lot i mean it sounds like there was no stone left unturned when you guys and you know the cool thing about the evolution is that's what we appreciate about rick is right. he's constantly educating himself in what's available and how things are evolving and what is available you know we have it set up whether everyone knows it or not when you open a door in the truck if the brakes aren't set the backup alarm comes on well that's just a warning that hey you need to set a brake you can't get out of the truck you need to set the brakes don't get out of the truck you know we also have it set the minute you put it in reverse the radio shuts off right well that's so when you're backing up you have some audible so you can hear things. You know, we're waiting for the technology to be available when you put it in reverse. The radio shuts off and the dark-ass tinted windows come yeah, down. Right. So you can see the concrete wall we keep backing into. <laughs> that, that was one of the things I read on the right? truck. When I put it in reverse and it didn't move, it did say the radio's turned down. It said that on the dash. <laughs> oh, that's cool, but truck's still not moving. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, those are, those are things, like you said, Jim, some people come here and may have never driven a truck this new. Right. Right. And they've been in something that's just a decade old. Really. I, I hear that a lot, it. Dave. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When when I take them out for the test drive and stuff, they look around like oh, like it's a, a fighter cockpit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They're completely yeah. um disoriented, I guess. Yeah. Right. Right. And yes. and then there's all the tricks to this truck. Yeah. You know, or not not tricks, it's all the little learning things that go on with this truck right. that make it better because it it's better and then you're better you know compared to you know like not using the clutch when you had a had a float in the gears yeah you know that made it easier shifted you know right. but that was that old style truck huh. rick do you love sales i do <coughs> what I, well, the biggest thing is you know i get to work with you know some really wonderful customers and it's to me the best part of the job is being able to help people uh-huh. where you know, Dave's point of that safety feature as far as the truck letting a driver know, hey, my park brakes aren't set and the guy's climbing out of the truck. Right. You guys have been at this a long time, so you, you all understand this. There are a lot of my customers, when I share with them that we have this functionality, I've had guys look at me like, put it in every truck, please. <laughs> right. Uh, a very good customer of ours shared a story where a driver had parked up on top of a small hill, didn't have park brakes set, climbs out of the truck, truck rolls down the hill and runs into a tree that was, the, the, the width of the tree was bigger than this conference table, Oof. totaled the truck. Wow. Now, I'm happy to say the police I worked with, we didn't have a problem like that. <clears throat> we had smaller problems and I mean it, it adds up and and the cost of a device like that is so inexpensive when you look at the safety benefits um, anyway it, it's fun to be able to help people like that and 
makes my job great. Do you, do you ever think about selling a truck? What do you think about at your job? Well, first of all, you, you need to get to know the customer and what their needs are uh-huh. and to understand their business uh-huh. and to find out what do they like, what don't they like. Um, you know, some people have certain preferences from past experience that you've got to be, you know, in tune with. And uh, make sure that uh, they know that you want to take the time and, and build the truck that's going to do a good job for them. Right. So what, what I'm hearing is you don't drive to work saying, I need to sell five trucks today. You, you, <laughs> you drive to work thinking about, I want to help people solve problems. Right. There's actually a book out there, Rick. I don't know if you read a lot of sales books. and It's a real easy read, but the title of the book is The Go-Giver instead of the go-getter have you heard of it i have not it's so good and it talks about selling to give instead of selling to get it's it's awesome you should give it a read i actually I have appreciate it. that if you want to borrow it i have it at home that's yeah, right. a good book thank you so, very cool what uh did i hear somebody say that? I, I was just gonna say i you know just to brag on on rick here is <laughs> is that the thing that's the thing we're missing is i mean i'm sure he cares about the sale of the truck right jam we well, we have bills to pay, and we want to earn a living. Our job, your job, is to sell trucks. Yeah, I not, get that. Yeah, right. not to be a smartass. He does go to work going, I need to sell five trucks today. I just need to find someone that needs five trucks and then tailor that experience to it. Right? Exactly. But I he don't brings that. that, that. I, I don't believe that. I don't. But he brings that knowledge to, for, to us that we go, yeah. we need to buy five trucks. Right. Yeah. You know, that's the that's – the, the change or the break where, oh, I'm just getting five trucks. No, I want those five trucks. Right. And so, yeah, yeah thanks, Rick, for that. Yeah, and I You're think welcome. it's super important, and I think you try really, really hard. It's the knowledge of the product that you have. Yeah. You yeah, can absolutely. impart that to your customer, and then that turns them on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's easy thanks, to, It's easier to sell something you love than to sell something you don't believe in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, hands down. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny because we'll go to – you know, Brand X, that's a competitor of Kenworth. And I'll ask those salesmen, hey, you know, what about this? What about that? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that. And, you know, I'll, uh, just to drop Peterbilt right in there, you know, they are a pack car owned company. They own Peterbilt and Kenworth. Right. They have the same technology. Right. You know, what, what aren't their people doing that Kenworth's people are? When it's the same engine, the same cab, same transmission, same drivetrain, you know, same electronics, but they don't know anything about it. There's, there's, there's an issue there somewhere. There's a breakdown, you yes. know, from the top down somehow. Especially and in, in Rick, because you're you're immersed in it more than we are. But we've heard, oh, we're separate companies. We're separate company. We're Peterbilt and we're Kenworth and there's Packcar. But then as as we get educated and and deal with people um, higher up in the chain, I guess, that, that service more of our size companies, we find out that Peterbilt people go to work for Packcar, Packcar go to work for Peterbilt, <laughs> Peterbilt goes to work for Kenworth, and we're like, well, I thought you were separate companies. What are you doing, and, right? right? Yeah, and just to clarify, because you said they go to work, that's the promotion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they went. They, that's they, not, I quit here and went here, that's... That's the next step. Oh, I'm not working for Kenworth anymore. Now I work for Peterbilt. Or, or All pack under car. the pack car yeah. roof. Or, yeah. you know, however you want to look at that. Yeah, right. Yeah, just, right. To, just to, like, clean that up a little bit, yeah. yeah. Rick, what's a, what's a culture like at MHC Kenworth? What's your work culture like? You know, MHC has a motto that I love, and the, the motto is whatever it takes. Uh-huh. 
And I believe that, I mean, that, that's been ingrained in the company for a long time, and that comes from the original ownership. And I think that if you don't have that mindset, you're probably not going to work there long. Huh. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where, and, and I'll draw a, a, an analogy between Leprino Foods and MHC. A lot of similarities, uh, very driven, very focused. Uh, when I think of how they go about managing processes, now, hey, do we make mistakes? Yes. Are there things that I wish we had a chance to do over? Absolutely. Of course. Uh, and it's one of those things, though, but the, the, I think the company honestly cares. And when you look at the capabilities that they have, um, you know, just a 30 second commercial when I think of you know we got a shop that's open 724 mm. not too many shops do that um, we've got a beautiful body shop that does excellent quality of work uh, parts department with last time I heard we had like over five million bucks worth of parts in inventory oh, wow. now it's never the right part but we got five million bucks <laughs> worth. Um, is it ever the right part Rick <laughs> right oh, and w with today's challenges I mean it's you know obviously tougher than ever before sure. but uh the, the environment it's 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 a fun place to work nice do you run into workforce problems right now is there problems problems finding people or there are people problems with the ones you got i i think that everybody has challenges um i don't know of an industry or a company that doesn't mm. when i look at um you know the the caliber of people that we're able to uh attract and and keep I think that says a lot nice. and I think that's you know the reason why the, I mean the company does get you know great benefits um, a lot of you know things that want pe make people want to stay there nice <clears throat> you touched on it but what are some of the hurdles you're faced with with the supply chain right now oh, I'm gonna try to make this as short a story as I can <laughs> <laughs> I don't know of a part on a truck that we haven't seen various issues with um, from you know everybody's well aware of the chip problems and mm -hmm. everything related to that but we've seen you know body parts um, you know tire shortages spot shortages of various things um, we've had uh, you know moments where we thought it was getting better then all of a sudden you, you think well okay now it's going the other direction so all I can tell you there's a tremendous effort that I know the Kenworth factory is putting forth and trying to get truck build rates up right. um, but the problem is is the suppliers right. uh, that feed Kenworth um, I know that Kenworth has sent some of their own uh, staff from the factories into some of their suppliers to help them oh wow it gives you an idea of the depth of the problem when right. you know, they, they realize that hey we have to do this to you know get parts in to put trucks together here's some labor for you yeah I mean I've dropped a couple of trucks off at Kenworth Peterbilt's the same but Man, one day it seemed like a graveyard, just so many trucks sitting waiting for parts. Like, you know, that one needs a chip or this one needs a sensor. And it's just, you know, I, f I feel bad for, for the independents. That's their only truck and they're out of business for six weeks or something. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very challenging. Pretty rough. What kind of customer demands? What kind of customer demands are you seeing right now? What do people want? Parts. Um, <laughs> in a timely manner right. um, they want the right parts and, and I think that you know, b because of what we just talked about the, the sad part is um, 
the difficulty in getting them timely. You know, we used to think that we could get a part within a matter of days, almost any part. If somebody said, I got to have this, and that was something we took a tremendous amount of pride in. And, you know, I talked to our parts department on a regular basis, and uh, I've, I've known the guys that run our parts department real well, and they work their tail off in, in trying to help our customers get things and going the lengths I've never seen before. So I, I got to take my hat off to those guys and the efforts they put forth. On the customer side of it, people need trucks to replace the old stuff they've been running. Uh, you know, last year where uh, basically our order board was pushed out, uh, orders canceled. That was tough, very uh -huh. tough. Um, I'm glad we haven't gone through that this year. And, you know, I'm hoping that those days don't ever return. Yeah. Last question for you, Rick. I don't know if you're able to put some numbers together, but we were interested in uh, automated manual transmission versus automatic sales today compared to five years ago compared to 10 years ago. Okay. Well, I don't know if I can go back 10 years ago, but I know, let's say, just a, a few years ago, we were in the 60% range for automatics. Um, and now, like I mentioned, you know, in the 75 to 80% range. So that's certainly come a long ways. Yeah, I thought, uh, I don't know if it was you or, or in our talking, but the this transmission is like the most successful release pack car has ever had on a product. Rick, do you, have you have you heard that or was that with you that I, we found I, that out? I would agree with you. When I look at the, the amount of people that similar operations um, and even not similar operations where people have embraced the uh, – Pack car transmission, uh, the 12-speed has just taken off and has really done a, a great job. When I think of the ease of use, I think the drivers really love that transmission. I think it's very intuitive to drive. Uh, when I look at the fuel economy benefits, it's hard not to like. Oh, everything about yeah. that transmission yeah. is a win-win. I mean, when we were first educated on it, just the weight savings alone was you know, huge. I mean, we were looking, you know, we... We had kind of ran the gamut with transmissions, you know, kind of a standard with a 13-speed, and then we became standard with an 18-speed, you know, and then we, we bought some used trucks that had 9 and 10 speeds in them, and, you know, it was a growth moment, so we were kind of forced to get what we got. And uh, when we learned about that that 12-speed, the pack, I call it the Packar 12-speed, but uh, just the weight savings alone, and then everything you just mentioned, Rick, the the ease on the driver, how well it works, the the uh, just the fluidness, how fluid it is. It just it's just a phenomenal piece of equipment, and I mean we we love it. I'm I'm always amazed every time I look at them. I'm like, I think my transmission in my pickup is bigger. <laughs> I'm always dumbfounded how small it is. Yeah, and, so. and both you guys, you were listening to Bill, and maybe you know it off the top of your head, Rick. But like yesterday, we were speaking with Bill and and. Uh, Rick about some other trucks and stuff, and one of the trucks had a an Allison automatic in it. And for Dave's example, unless I got it wrong, you guys, like I said, correct me. But the Allison was 580 pounds heavier. I thought Bill said, was it that much or was it 380? It was significantly it, heavier. Yeah, it was. It was a bunch. The Allison is that much heavier than this 12 speed. Mm -hmm. And right. for us doing what we do, we we can't have that Allison. Yeah. Even if it, and it's not that it's that much better of a transmission, even if it's truly an automatic. But I know the weight savings 
is is amazing. It's just know? crucial because yeah. when you think about as that as we evolved, you know, we went 13 speed, 18 speed, a little heavier. Then when we got the other the used trucks drop into the nine or 10 speed, we looked at that weight advantage, and then we were we were running some 13 speed ultra shifts. And then Ultra Shift Plus, well, that was a that was a ding in the wrong direction. Those transmissions were heavier mm-hmm. than a standard 13-speed, but they took the any driver abuse issue out of the equation. So we're like, well, does that couple hundred pounds extra mitigate the you know any abuse to a clutch or whatnot like that? And this transmission just fit. It just it it cured all of those needs. There were you know 20 things that we needed, and it fit every one. So pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, I just want to correct myself too. I said uh, automated manuals versus automatics. So basically, automatics versus manuals, not automatics. Yeah. Well, so we use the term so freely, Jam. We right. call these transmissions automatics. Right. Yeah. Right. They are AMTs, just yeah. like you mentioned, an automated manual transmission, which just means it still has a clutch, it still has gears. It still has to push in the clutch and shift. Right. Yeah, throw out bearing. It's yeah, got, it's I got mean, all it, that. it has yeah. all the components minus a pedal. Yeah. The driver's just not doing it. I was comparing AMTs versus automatics. Right. Oh, gotcha. Meant, like an Allison. I just meant to say manual. You know, whatever. <laughs> you guys get the drift. Correction to my correction to my correction. And Jim, you must have read my mind because I was going to ask Rick, dude, does... Is there a future fully automatic, truly automatic transmission coming out that's lighter than Allison? There's an 18-speed AMT that was just released. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, And and I think that's going to have a a good place for the fleets that need that additional gearing and shorter splits. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I've ran into a handful of heavy haul guys that I'm like, why aren't you running... You know, I truly believe the 12-speed, I could go haul heavy equipment with the 12-speed, Rick. I just, I feel so firmly about how well that works. And You know, I've had a lot of guys, well, I can't hook up to the low boy softly. I can't do this. I can't do that. And it's like, bullshit, with the urge to move, you can. There is no, if you can't, something is malfunctioning, mm-hmm. right? Something's yeah. wrong. Yeah. And I, there's just nothing that transmission won't do that you can do with a manual. I just I have to stand we, here and say it, that it would be interesting, Dave, because I know you were you were with me yesterday, and, and we uh, have a good friend that works for Garney Construction, and we ran by and, and talked to him yesterday on his job site, and he had a John Deere excavator there, and the thing is, it's big, and and then <laughs> Garney orders it was torn down and it was big, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and Garney orders their equipment with an extra four foot on the stick, yes. Do, doesn't matter, John Deere, Cat, doesn't matter. They order four foot on top of the stick, and it's to place their pipe. They can reach out and place pipe with it. Um, and so we're, we're talking to Rich, and we're like, Rich, what's that way? And he's like, he thought about it for a minute, and I'm like, oh, Rich might not know. And he's like, I believe that's 180,000. 187,000. With, without the counterweight. Yes. And then it's got an additional counterbalance because they took one weight off. Yes. Then they lowered the counterbalance off the machine because because uh, because they had to compensate for the four foot of extra boom. Right. So yeah. four four rivers showed up and they were breaking the machine down because they needed to move it. Ex- and they need to move it two miles away. Right. Exactly. So then they were taking the stick off of it. The the not the boom but the end stick with the bucket off yeah. of it. And so Rich was sitting there in his head and he's like. I, 
I think complete, that's probably a little over 200,000 wow, sitting 200, there. Pounds. And it, and then so you think about the 12 speed and you're going to drop 1,200, right? 200,000 pounds yeah. and make have the 12 speed make that shift. Well, you, you know, yeah. when maybe you need that, that close one, like you said, yeah, Rick, on that 18 speed, because yeah. you, you know, yeah. whether it's down the street or not. Well, there's yeah. heavy haul and then there's that. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. I mean, there's only one company that'll move that hoe and they have to come up from Colorado Springs. And every time they move that hoe, it's $10,000. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. that short of distance because they have to pay, you know, two mechanics come out on-site rigs tear from, the from machine John, down from John Deere yeah from yeah. John Deere tear the machine and down and they know their shit too cuz we watched yeah. them they were they were good it takes two trucks to move the machine because you have the the machine itself and then you have what's called the fall off load which is all the stuff they took off and they call it a fall off load because by the time you tie everything down on the other trailer something's going to fall yeah. off on the way and over and that's the that's the <laughs> rails the the handrails to get in the it, bucket the, the exhaust stack, stack the, <laughs> they have these yeah. gps sensors meters for, that uh, you know when they're digging monitor everything and that's so cool. i mean yeah it was just crazy and i mean you think about putting on a two hundred thousand pound load well you know that truck that showed up is probably well over fifty thousand pounds empty well actually that's not true i mean just the 10 foot wide one up the street he's over eighty thousand pounds empty, empty. yeah uh. so i mean that tells you something when you've got a when your tear weight is over eighty thousand pounds. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can hold yeah. no rock. Yeah. So you're you're moving a three hundred thousand pound load virtually when it's all said and done. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's cool crazy. stuff. Cool stuff. And then we got into fuel mileage. Like, what's that machine burn? You know. And Rich is like, oh, it depends on, you know, how we're running it, placing pipe. You know, I guess if it's digging all day long, you know, just straight digging. It's about 150 to, to 180 gallons wow. a, a day. Yeah. In an eight yeah. to 10 hour shift. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And they replace those machines every three years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine what that machine costs. Well over a million bucks. <laughs> yeah. That's the, yeah. And, and Garney's a good company. I mean, I mean, Rich works for them, but we've, we've learned a lot about this company, you know, and as you, as you go to like MHC or, or Garney or anybody, Laprino, you know, you try to learn stuff from companies and their, their whole thing, because they're employee owned, they try to grow every year at 6% is oh, wow. their goal is wow. to have a 6% growth. And that's 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 pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, Rich didn't know if they reach it every year, but you know, that's adding the yeah. employees. Right. Like they 1,600 just sixteen hundred people. Is that what he said? Yeah, f- yeah, fourteen hundred. Fourteen hundred employees, okay. yeah. and they and they want to grow six percent every year. year, which is more growth, even though it's only six percent. You know, the bigger you are, the bigger that number gets, the bigger that number gets. Right, six percent right? of fourteen hundred. <laughs> I right. didn't do the math, but say 10 people the next year it's 11 or 12 people then the next year it's 13 or 14 people so yeah yeah and and just like you rick when we were talking to him they've added crews but they have no equipment for the new crews yeah and so they're six percent they they're not being able to grow by that because they can't get equipment i mean six percent of what though employees of gross income of you know what i mean of everything it it seemed like size jam gotcha it has to be across the board because you can't you can't grow by employees if you don't have the growth income. to support it, right? Yeah. So, well, yeah. maybe you can't grow your income if you don't have the people to grow it. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Right. I think that, yeah. It's intertwined. Absolutely, yeah. 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 You guys got any more questions for Rick before we move on? I, I don't have any questions, but I do have like a, a f- 
kind of a comment or a follow-up. You know, I just want to throw out there, when we started this journey with you guys, you know, three and a half years ago or whatnot, Rick, when we met Brant Gregg, who's the, who's the, what's his perfect title? What's the branch manager? Branch Branch manager over there. And, uh, you know, Bill Persichiti, who works alongside with you, has been over there over 20 years. Uh, Scott Lockhart, which has been over there probably 30 years. I know he was at the old, old facility. Uh, Burl out in your service. I guess I just want to give a shout out to those guys. You know, there's Brant, I think, has worked hard as all of you have to to assemble this team of people that kind of cover all the bases. You know, and right there for us, that's Brant man, branch manager through the sales department, through the parts department, through the service department. And I guess those things, there's when you build that relationship, it's so nice to go over there, you know, walk past your office or Bill's office, say, hey, you know, if Brant's in there, say, hey, whatever the case may be. You know, we had a deal here last year. We we ran into some fuel issues and clogged up like 25 DPF units. And Burl, you know, he's the weekend guy. And uh, Mikey was gone on vacation and I was like, looks like I'm the guy and was over there dealing with Burl, you know, and I was dropping off three and four DPFs at a time and he was burning them clean and just going back and forth and just, it's just so nice to have a relationship, a rapport to go in and it's not, well, who's on today? Who's that guy? I've never met him. Oh, another new person, you know, that Mm -hmm. just some solidity there, some, some stuff. So shout out to everybody on your team. Appreciate that. It's been really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Get them to listen to the podcast. We can use the listeners. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, talking about listeners. I just thought about that other podcast you guys brought up. There is another trucking podcast out there. And, you know, just coming in here to do this podcast today felt good. You know, and then just sitting here having Rick on. And our podcast kicks ass, guys. It does. Rick, I'll give you this other podcast. If you can make it through 10 minutes of it, let me know. <laughs> uh, JR wanted me to bring up tardiness. We had some guys leave late this morning, <clears throat> and they didn't know what the repercussions were of not being out of the yard on time. We have a 5 a.m. start. You have to be out of the yard by 6. You have one hour to get out of the yard. At 6.01, you're late, and that costs you your percentage bump for the week, and it costs you a earnings well one month earnings of pto so i think one of the comments to jr was oh it's summertime i'm just out partying and jr's like you know that costs you your pto right and like, what cost pto yeah i mean everybody knows that you signed off on it so be out of the yard on time everybody should know that right jam i mean that's in the packet it's gone over jr is very explicit scooby is you know in the orientation it's and not whatnot. It's, yeah everyone should know new people as well as vets because even the vets when we came out with our pto program (coughs) there's a signature document that you signed saying you understood how it works whether or not you took it upon yourself to read what you're signing i mean that's kind of up to the individual yeah so yeah and in the years past not to dwell on that because it's kind of kind of a negative thing but we've had people leave the yard at 602 and you know they didn't earn their pay for the week, right? The, the bonus the pay, the attendance bump for the week. And they're like, well, I was only two minutes late. And it's like, no, you were an hour. 
and two minutes late. Yeah, absolutely. We, we yeah. gave you that hour. Right. You have 60 minutes yeah, the pit to take care opens of. opens at six. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I just want to emphasize that. Like, yeah. hey, this is in your control, and we've given an extremely huge buffer. Yeah, and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to mark people late knowing what, what they lost. Yeah. Or what they didn't earn. You right. Know? It doesn't feel good to me, but there is, there is we got to, I mean, here's on time, here's not. Yeah. You may think you missed it, it by a minute, yeah. but you had an hour to get out of the yard. So. Yeah, most it, people here spent 12 years in school. If you walked in that classroom after the bell rang, you were right. late. Exactly. Right? I mean, exactly. It's, we, were, we, we were taught for 12 years <laughs> right. how to get to class on time. Well, this is what we need here. We right? need, not we rocket need, science. Yeah, we need a bell here. That's what we need. <laughs> that would be awesome. Ding, this, ding, is, ding. this is the bell, and this is the tardy bell. <laughs> yes. Right? Right? Yeah, the, you, you talk about you know different cultures and stuff and i know we've all discussed that but i was just talking to danielle my oldest daughter and i know i've mentioned her quite a bit about being a nurse and she's got a new uh, student that she's training and their culture is got to be there by seven o'clock right but their culture is like six fifty three. You know, that's just all the nurses are on deck. Seven that, minutes early. Right? That's, that's, and she goes, 750 or 653, that sounds weird, right? You know, or 655. But we're all there because at seven o'clock, we're trading off. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it's patient care. And Banner pays them. You can clock in at 653, you're getting paid, right? right. That's, that's the culture. You're ready to go. And, and her, her person that she's training is seven. 702, mm. 715. Yep. And Danielle's like, you know, I'm I'm trying to work with her, but she goes, it's it's under my skin. And it's under my personal skin because that's not that's not our culture. That's right. not our passion. And we can't trade off for our new patient at 705. Right. You know, and, and her trainee was kind of like we've gotten mentioned here, it's just five minutes. Right. It's just two minutes. <laughs> Yeah, well, why don't you just be seven uh, six fifty one then? Exactly. Two minutes the other way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why don't Why don't you be five minutes even earlier? Exactly. And the yeah. the person she's training, it goes, I've even timed it from my house. And Danielle's like, Well, if you timed it from your house, time it a few minutes early so you're here at, <laughs> at six fifty yeah. three, right. not seven oh five. Right. You know, and and time so, to change the clocks at the house seven minutes fast. Right. Right. So it, it's it's everywhere and. You know, and I, I don't want to use these words, and I'm going to use these words. You know, we're just truck drivers, and we're just hauling dirt, right? How how does that compare to a patient's care? Well, it's about being better and doing your best and taking right. pride because we're more than truck drivers, right. and somebody is counting on that gravel and that sand at a job site or to be batched or the loader operator. You know, think about the chain of events that we trigger. Right. And it, and it's important. So it's everywhere, and it's that it is. It's that being better and having pride. You know, I, I would, I would hate to be a patient and my 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 nurse, my person I'm counting on care thinks 15 minutes late is okay. Yeah, yeah. It just yeah to hear that that happens in an industry like that, you know, just kind of blows my mind because I know our standard and I know where we draw the line. You know, somebody. I think her peers, other than your daughter, because your daughter's kind of in charge of her, need to tell her, hey, 
if you think you're going to make it here, you need to be on time because right now you're not fitting in here. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so. that was, I mean, I, I'm just comparing it to, to what we, to, to people. Yeah. You know what I mean? People and, problems. And Danielle's had a talk with her and Danielle was reported as being aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, uh, Danielle was like, "My aggression was, please show up on time, and right. and and we need to we need to move past that, right?" Can't so. believe you told me that. It's funny because I keep running into this shirt, and I, it's, I, I want it, but it's so aggressive, right? Exactly what you said, you know, I'll, Danielle. I'll wear it. I'll wear it. What is yeah, it? <laughs> I, I just love it because it's like nobody cares. Work harder. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, that and they is, have a lot of different versions of it. Some really cool ones with the flag and yeah, all sorts uh, of stuff. You know, oh, what's that archery hunting? There's a, there's an archery hunter, and that's his. That's, that's his, his motto. That's Nobody his cares. Fun. We're yeah, part. Yeah. yeah, Cameron Haynes. Oh, Cameron Haynes. He's a he's a archery hunter, but he runs like he he has a job like we do, and he'll get home and run seven miles. Wow. No matter what time it is. Wow. Yeah, Good for it's him. Just, Nobody cares work harder. Yeah, yeah. That's, his, that's his motto, yeah. Right. It's awesome. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's get into some questions from the audience. Rick Showtime Gray has blessed us with a good question here. What's the biggest disadvantage to growing this big? What are the concerns about growing in the future? Anybody want to answer that? I mean, I, I didn't know there's been any disadvantages of getting to this size. I mean, I... I think maybe he looks at it that this size is big. I just, it just seems like the norm to me now. Right. I, I don't think anything about it. I mean, to me, uh, he can step back in time from the day he walked in the door here and every single thing has gotten better. Right. I mean, he makes more money. He has better equipment, has a better PTO program, better health insurance, better, I mean. Be better ever paid holidays it, from the day he walked in. I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, just everything hands down is better than it was 13 years ago when Rick walked in the door. So, right. I mean, I don't, I don't see a disadvantage. Yeah, if I, if I would, if I was to bring up a disadvantage, or uh, Jam asked that question earlier, you know, just to give us heads up on the stuff. Uh, I've thought about it a little bit, and I think you're spot on, Dave. The the disadvantage, and it's not a disadvantage of of the growth or the size, is there's more people to take care of. Right. And you don't want to leave a person off. When there was right. 10 people, I think I could say hello in the morning to 10 people. Right. Right. You know, then then you then we're at 50 and then we're at 100 and then we're at 150 and you know, I've mentioned it how many times. I, I'm not seeing the guys over at the West Yard. Right. You know, my fault could I go over in the morning probably. You right. know, but I have things here. So I think that's a I think that's a disadvantage, but that's not a disadvantage for the job. Right. I would say uh and again, I don't want to use the word term disadvantage. One of the things that could be better is being under one roof. Yeah. You know, but we're, we're fixing that. So I think that might have been something to think about. And then, you know, trying to touch 150 people every day. Right. You know, I, I do feel some people may get lost in the mix. And I had an interesting church conversation this weekend. And, you know, you could say the same thing about our church, that we go to Red Rocks, right? And mm -hmm. it, started in, it started at Heritage Square you know, which was in an amusement park and a small room in a building where maybe there was 35, 50, let's just say 100 people. Well, that's a pretty close-knit community, you know what I mean? Because I could get to know 100 people in one building pretty easily, you know what I mean? 
Well, now the church has grown. It's got five or six or seven campuses, one in Brussels, Brussels, Belgium, one in Austin, Texas. Well, how do you make community like that? And then they come up with small groups. Like, so here's a big church, but the meat and potatoes is going to get done in small groups. So I was kind of thinking about that because I had this last night, this question. And to me, it's like, okay, well, here we have our company culture. We preach our creed. Well, it's up to you guys to live it. It's you guys create the meat and potatoes. So does the West Yard have a little bit feel and culture to it? Maybe, but it's up to you guys to, to live that out and make it happen. You right. know, so I don't know. That's something I don't know if that's coming out right or not. But you know, yeah, we are bigger, but as smaller groups, it's up to you guys. You know, if you got five guys that you're tight with, it's up to you guys to live our creed. You know, and then maybe somebody else has a group of ten people that they're cool with. You know, I mean, ultimately, we all want to be a big group, but there's no reason we can't be smaller groups <coughs> living living by the JFW creed. I, so. I think that's. I, I mean, a little bit, Jam is. That's our view of reading the Pledge of Allegiance. Right. You know, we haven't done that as a group since we were in grade school, possibly. Right. You know, or, uh, you know, at, at another event that's, you know, we're going to read the creed here at the end of the deal. But that's that's stating our beliefs and holding, hoping those small groups take hold. Right. And going, this is what we're doing. Yep. And, and, and totally believe it. And, and, you know, back to Rick's question along those lines is, Rick, I hope you're out there every day as your small group, you know, being a cheerleader for us, because Dave's exactly right. If I look at where we were at, you know, 13 years ago and where we're at today, I can, I can look at, I'll look at you straight at the face, Rick, and go, holy shit, you got it good, buddy. Huh. From, Wait, from, from then. Way better now. Right? I way, I way better. Super way Dave? better now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I can't even answer because he comes to me and he says, you know, I wish it was like it was in the old days. I was like, really? You know, running a underpowered C12 with a, he started in, I don't know what truck he started in, but he was driving that 10, that messed whatever, up. Whatever, 10, 10 plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Like a super 10. Yeah. And double, it was 0020. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. And, and all the benefits we have now, it's just like open your eyes and look at what we've worked hard to build. Yeah, Rick, you got to feel the same way. You mentioned some great companies, but. Is, aren't things better in a lot of ways today, no matter what? Nope. You know, yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> you love know? the analogy you said way back uh, when we started talking to Rick about technology. Do you really want to watch that old TV? Yeah. Or is your <laughs> HDTV flat screen better? Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you, you want know? your 1970 car with no air conditioning and rides like crap? And, you know, when it's sitting there running, it may sound really cool, but it's just you can barely breathe behind it when they go by yes. down the road. Oh, Come I on, Dave. I, I dug those. that wing vent. You fold it all the way around and right. pointed it at you to get some <laughs> Yeah, you thought you really had a cool car. When you had the floor vent, you could slide open just to get some air come up past your feet, right? We're not going to mention what we used to call those. Yeah, that, so. que that question doesn't really bother me that much. It made me think a little bit, and I guess another advantage to being this big if everybody's living our culture and our creed and and being who jfw is instead of having 15 to help people to help you on the side of the road you got 113 yeah. people right. that could come help you right you know what i mean so it should make us better not weaker and it reminds me of also like some people are really into like underground music you know they like they like this rapper who's not very well known and then the guy makes it and they're like oh he sold out 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. want to listen to him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know wow, what, I mean? what a great analogy, Jim. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's interesting. So thanks yeah. for the question, Rick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. as far as the, the future growth, I just when it's time, it'll happen. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? There's, there's endless opportunities down the road. I, w- I was going to answer that, Dave, that, Rick, we're not selling out. Right. Just we're not selling out. It's not going to happen. Yep. And not, not selling like the company. We're not selling out. If we get larger and more growth, we're not going to sell out our culture. Nope. It's not, it's not going to happen. Nope. So, well, yeah, thanks, Rick, for the question. We're all in. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Gerardo's got another good question here. Thanks, Gerardo. What are the plans for Saturdays now that LG, Firestone, and Fort Lupton are closed? Like the creed says, Face and overcome all that stands before us. I mean, whatever we need to do, fries will still be open, boral will still be open. It's going to depend on on volumes, what the plants are doing. You know, are they going to have to drop back because of the shortage of cement? You know, they've already dropped back to just doing FOBs on Saturdays. So, right. I mean, that could change at any moment. Right. It, that That's a today question that, you know, depending on what this Saturday looks like, maybe completely different next Saturday. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess we kind of almost have to face them every Friday to, right. to truly answer that. Right. So, well, yeah, I mean, in, a, in, a, in a large, sorry, Jan, no, a no. large answer for him, and, and you mentioned the creed, Dave, is we, don't, we just don't stand still. That's one thing, you know, everybody needs to know, the new people and stuff like that, is, is we don't stand still and we adapt so well. I mean, that's a key to what we do is we adapt. I mean, yeah. even when, when to go back to Rick, you know, we did a lot of flatbeds, seven, six, 2006, seven and eight. They, they sucked, you know, but we can hook these tractors to any trailer right. and go do something. And we, you know, we mentioned it. We hauled fertilizer to Nebraska. We did flatbed stuff. Rick, Rick helped us with flatbed stuff, went over the road for us. We hauled wood from from back Oklahoma, east from yeah. Oklahoma and we just we just adapted so yeah. that's what we'll do with Saturday and Sunday yep. or oh, Saturday and Sunday but that's what we'll do with our Saturdays yep. and maybe it's working a, an hour later in the day cuz we're missing Saturdays we, right. we're we're open to anything yep. it, <clears throat> and then I thought uh fries like willing to open up on Saturdays if we guarantee to take a thousand tons right so, so there's work, you know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. There's there's other stuff to do. So who knows what we might pick up too? Good and question. A, and a smaller around. company couldn't grab that thousand tons. <clears throat> right. We can. Oh yeah, thousand tons. I mean, that's that's pretty easy. We can we can rock that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Plan Twelve needs any rock. So. <laughs> Good At least stuff. not today. Tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. Mike Vasquez asked, "Why do we always end out the day with fry to twelve or two? I know people are out at Union and 13. It's easy for them to get that last load in, but then we fight traffic from I-25 to Chambers. It makes for a long day. It would nice. It would be nice to get a push for that early in the day if possible and finish with stuff that comes out of Morton, LG Fort Lupton, and Ragsdale. Traffic seems a lot easier back to 11, 2, Central, and 12 from those locations. He did add in, I think this batch does an excellent job keeping up with as many of us that they have. I wouldn't want to do that all day. Keep up the great work. So <laughs> he's not trying to slam anybody. Yeah, yeah no, so good, good question. Thanks, thanks for being classy, Mike, but good question. Yep. Yeah, there's there's the complexity of, you know, and we, we try to say it all the times, uh, are them doing the night pours? Or let's say, you know, Central's the one that's got, uh, I'm making these numbers up, 500 yards during the day. 
12's only got 200 yards during the day. We don't have enough trucks um, during the daytime, so we're, we're concentrating on the 500 yards over here at Central, but then 12 shows up with a 1,200-yard pour at night. You can't take care of the 500 at Central, do the little 200 without running a late load to stock for the 12 at night. It's, it's, right. a, it's a logistics nightmare, right, the, Dave? I mean, No, know. 100%. I mean, the, the, the look behind that is typically those last loads, we're able to call the pits, go, hey, we need you to stay 20 extra minutes, 30 right. extra minutes, whatever the case may be. So it's truly a late load for everyone, which I get it, it sucks, but the, the, when we're running into that, those are the 1,200-yard overnight pours you know so we need to move 1500 extra tons that day right so you have a normal day and another normal day you just had to stack on so when plant 12 needs 66 trucks for one day we can't cover that throughout the day we have to cover it at the end of the day to just scramble enough material in there because all the rest of the plants are at capacity which takes our fleet if we're able to cover that during the day throughout the day we would probably have 15 to 20 more trucks than we have right now, but then they would sit the right. whole rest of the year right. with the exception of when we have those night pours. Right. You know, if it wasn't for the night pours, we would be fine. We're, we're, we're adapted to the size of the volume of work we have for the most part, but that's the reason they call this a seasonal business. Right. You know, I mean, we, we, we couldn't just put fewer trucks at other plants, deplete their material stockpile, and then run everybody during the day to this plant, build right. it up, and then the other plant would run out the next day. So it's right. it is truly a moving stones. You know, like you have ten stones and you need to move them accordingly and place everything. And then at the end of the day, the bulk of the stones are going to wind up at that plant just to get it covered. Right. I mean, it's a great question. I you know, definitely ways to explore that theory, right? But yep. yeah, I mean, ultimately yep. it's who needs it gets it and. They need it all throughout the day, and then the extra goes to 12 at night. Yeah, and I wanted to add to that, Dave, and you just touched on it perfectly, is is let's say we were able to, we know 12's got a 1,200-yard pour that night. We give them all our trucks during the day, and we look at Central and go, listen, you're the easy round at the end of the day. We're going we're gonna to send all our trucks because you're so easy to get to at the end of the day. That batchman for the whole day is going to go where's my trucks where's my trucks where's my trucks right because he's got his piece of the pie that he's looking at and and mike we're taking everybody's piece of the pie and trying to please them in that piece and i know mike's not giving us a shot but it's it's like dave mentioned it's a stones yep linda describes this batch as a puzzle a puzzle with no pictures on the pieces and people take pieces of the puzzle away with you out away from you without knowing right and they'll add them in without you knowing at the end of the day you got to have a completed puzzle right so there's just a lot of moving parts and a lot of layers to this onion buddy and and everything is so complex because you have yardages change at plants so that changes their usage you have you know if we had two drivers call out you know, there's a dozen loads we just lost somewhere. So that's several hundred tons we're out. May have a leasey breakdown. Or, we or may have a truck breakdown. Talk about the leases last week like we did. They're not capable to run out of fries. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, so yeah, I mean, not, that's a huge hit right there. That yeah. they, the bulk of our leases can't run out of fries. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, just a lot. So many pieces to the puzzle. That's what we talk about with the pizza. 
you know, and, and this is the opportunity that we get to discuss that is it's easy to sit behind that wheel and you're just looking at your little slice of pizza. You know, you may want the combination pizza that's got everything on it, uh-huh. you know, and maybe by the end of the day, you just wound up with a piece of cheese pizza. With pineapple you know? on it. Yeah. We have to look at the whole pie, not just the piece. <laughs> right. So, you know, there's a lot of times Jim and I step back and go, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? And, you know, and then we have to go, oh, wait a minute. We don't have the whole picture. Right. You know, we don't know why they're doing this or why they're doing that. And then you find out and you're like, oh, makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah that, that's I, when we were talking about the trucks being clean and the guys fueling them. You know, I, I heard somebody last week go, hey, thanks to the driver who didn't fuel my truck and left so-and-so inside the cab and blah, blah, blah. And, and the other driver, you know, answered back on the radio, hey, sorry, I broke down. The shop told me to pull it in the garage right. and leave it there. And that's the whole picture. Right. And when you ask, when you mention that, Dave, that's just that small gather the whole picture. We go ask. We've learned. Go ask. Pretty get, well. Get the story. Right. Get the story. Yeah. And then let's put it together. Or get the story and go, well, how can we be better? Right. Because we failed. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, that's and, the guy on the subway, right? That's letting his kids run crazy. Yeah. Yeah. How yep. the, the whole picture. Yep. I love data. I've learned that here. <laughs> get get the get the facts yeah. get the data do some research you know i'll hit this on my final thoughts but when somebody comes to me with a problem and i know i don't have the answers yet i don't give them a solution <laughs> let's let's take a look at what's actually going on right so yeah and that's where those cameras are such a key because you can replay it and replay it and replay yeah. it and go okay where was the problem what can we do how right. can we fix it and we went years without that such such a piece of tool yeah Excellent. Uh, safety topics of the week. Soup, you want to kick yours off first? I know you talked sure. to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is a really broad idea, but, I mean, you obviously it applies to everything that you do every day, all day, whether you're at work or you're at home. Um, don't get in a hurry because haste makes waste. Mm-hmm. When you hit something, it's because you're not paying attention, you're in a hurry. When something goes wrong on you a lot of times it's because you're not paying attention because you're in a hurry um slow down look twice get out do you know do your due diligence and take your time because in the end it's just like when you get a speeding ticket you're late you're in a hurry and then you get stopped and it you're half an hour later than you otherwise would have been but uh, we have a lot of bent fenders on these trailers and um it's because the driver was in a hurry. Haste makes waste. Yep. Yeah, we were coming down I-25 the other day and uh, see this pickup truck merge on it. I mean, he is right up the car in front of him's ass. Like, one of those situations where if that was my family, I'd want to fight you. You know <laughs> what I mean? So I tell my wife, I'm like, oh, let's just back off. I don't even want to be near that guy. And the amount of lane changes this guy made, you know, to get a quarter of a mile ahead of us and just driving recklessly i was like man if, if a cop is anywhere near to near him and he sees us i mean he's not getting anywhere right we'll, we'll be home and he'll still be on the side of the road you know so good yeah. point too uh, uh, touching on that too dave it's and I, i've noticed more and more you know maybe it's the the covid thing and the lack of police and all this other stuff is other people are in such a hurry dave that they cause the problem that you don't expect because right. they're going so fast. Oh yeah. I, I just had Saturday. I was over off of I 76 and federal and I wanted to go northbound on federal. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure both sides are three lanes right there. 
and I know the northbound side is, is three lanes, and I, I had to cross all of it, nobody coming southbound, and I looked, and they were just leaving the lights on the underpass or under 76 there, and I pulled out with my pick and my pickup, and fortunately, it's it's the lucky thing. I I didn't jerk hard and go right to the my closest lane, like the left lane, but I went to the middle lane. And when I when I made the turn to go north there in the middle lane, I had a car that I I I don't know where he came from, and I I almost hit him, but I was but he was in the slow lane, and it scared me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm thankful I turned in the middle lane. You know, I, I would have hit that guy. And I'm like, Holly, where did he come from? And he came off the off-ramp, but he was running 60 miles an hour or some ridiculous yeah. speed. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, my, my looking north, my looking south, pulling across all three lanes, and this guy coming off the ramp at 60 miles an hour. And I was just lucky I, I went in the middle lane. And it would have been my fault. Nobody would have cared how fast he was going. If you had your dad's Escalade, you would have seen him. I could have, man. And it <laughs> freaked me out, but I would have seen him, right? right? Yeah. But so. good points by both of you because haste makes ways for other people. If you're not taking your time backing into a bin and you crush your fender, you probably didn't waste very much of your own time, right? But guess who's got to fix that? The shop. Guess who's got to take pictures? Guess who has to deal with the accident? If there was another four-wheeler involved, oh, my God, there's so much time and effort and money put into that so yeah be careful out there yeah that's where it made my heart feel weird <laughs> you're just like man i could have i could have hit uh, that guy that's, yeah that's the worst speaking of close calls and making your heart or other body parts feel weird <laughs> <laughs> you gotta watch gotta put, watch where you put your hands and fingers uh me and jay or uh, me and super dave witnessed somebody almost lose their hand yesterday hooking up a trailer they got the hand underneath the fifth wheel, between the fifth wheel and the fifth wheel plate, and that would not be good. It was it was scary, guys. So, like we said on the podcast before, don't ever put your hands or fingers where you wouldn't put your beep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just so I mean, it's there's lots of us and not you know do any names, but any anyway, this was a person in a safety position jam, so it's a. Per, position that you should know you you should know better yeah you know what i mean we're we're ultra ultra critical because we're teaching we're learning and we're showing so we try to even be more careful but it just goes to show you at any time one of us can lose our 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 focus and that's what that's what i'm getting at yeah you know and let's just dive in let's get into the details of hooking up a trailer so if you're with somebody and somebody is underneath the trailer trying to fix your fifth wheel plate or doing something under there your truck should be in neutral and the brake should be set if that backup alarm is going on nobody should be underneath the trailer that's number one sure number sorry go ahead sorry go ahead jump no i just wonder as you were saying windows down windows down you know i mean absolutely yeah yep i had to yell at super dave to get him to stop not that it was super dave's fault but there was a lot of there was a little bit of a tense moment there right the other thing is if you're the guy that's trying to hold the fifth wheel plate up while the truck's coming back, the only way you should do that is with a shovel or something to get you out of the way and you're on the side of the trailer. Get your body clear of Get your body to clear. And I'm not throwing stones. I almost ran Mikey over one day doing this. And kind of like you felt weird with your accident. Well, I felt really weird almost when I almost ran Mikey over. You know, if there's somebody in the way of a tire, like you said, Dave, they got to be clear of the equipment. Okay. 
if you're by yourself or if you're helping somebody and you didn't use a shovel and you put a block under the, under the fifth wheel to hold the fifth wheel up, <clears throat> when you go to pull that out, make sure the guy driving is in neutral, the truck brakes are set, and that backup alarm's off. And you won't get hurt that way. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, so, so you know, Rick, I don't know if you've hooked up or been around one of our end dumps, but obviously a fixed fifth wheel, you know that. Our plates on our trailer like to flop down forward. Mm-hmm. So if you back up to them, you bust either the hydraulic hoses or the airline fittings and stuff like that. And sometimes you can bungee them, but otherwise it takes a person to either block it up, hold it up with a bar, hold it up with a shovel, you know, and, and never. It's such a design flaw. Yeah. It's, you know, it, I've looked it at it so many yeah. times. And all I can think of is to hang a weight on the back. That's, I mean, that's we need hydraulic fifth wheel plates. We do. Ooh, yeah. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're a dangerous, they're not yeah. a well thought out thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and to Dave's point, like me and Dave have hooked up so many trailers together when we when we swapped out the forty Kenworths and when we added the, <laughs> and when we added the twenty like We were we, doing it like Every day, four yeah. or five of yeah, them. We, yeah, we would hook up three or four trailers a day, or swap them out. And right. Yeah, we just got so we just got into a routine, and honestly, sometimes it's easier by yourself. Yeah. You know? I mean, we've it just is. like if me and Dave are gonna go hook up a trailer, great. You know, and we've done it so many times. Jim, Dave, like our other guys around, but like sometimes it's like you want to help with that. It's like nah. I'll just I'll just get it. It'll just yeah, go. Yeah. You'll put that the hammer or the rock in the fifth wheel plate. Yeah. You know to go back just so far. Yeah. Go get your hammer out. Yep. You know, yeah. that's and even using a slick disc, right? Yeah, and that's just yeah. that's just your routine. You know you you hooked up, you pulled on the plate, you went around yeah. then and put it's the just, pins in, then then you hooked up the airlines right. or you know, yeah, that's the Yeah. It's yeah. it's tough. Yeah. Not yeah, to, I just helped Rosario hook up not this last Saturday, but the Saturday before, Mike had it set up. We needed to work on his trailer, and he was to hook up to the trailer sitting on the side of the building next to the fuel tank. And when I walked out there, you know, I helped him drop this one, and then I was walking out to help him hook to the other one. I looked at it, and I'm like, that is way too low. That is that is not even close. Right. You know, and, and luckily there was a, a two-by-four laying there on the ground, so I took and lifted that apron plate before he was even close as far up as I could, propped the two by four on its side to hold that apron plate up as far as he could. And I had him back up, which was stupid. I knew it wasn't even close. He was nowhere near getting under that trailer. I mean, we obviously dropped it with a forklift. Right. There was no way. Because the only reason I know that is you couldn't physically get it undone from one of our other trucks. Ah. The kingpin mm-hmm. would have hooked the, the <clears throat> end cross member and just bent it out of the way i mean it right. would have just jacked everything up huh. you know and i'm like oh just pull back out rosario and you know and it was one of those i was like oh back up let's see how close and you know the truck's four feet away and you're still trying to eye measure it right you know and you're like what come on back a little more you know no just pull out i'll go get the forklift you <laughs> right. know it was it was on the very first hole in the landing lane. way I mean, too seriously low. nowhere near you know so i was kind of thankful i was here to help him sure instead of just leaving him hang you know like <laughs> right. hey, uh, let me know if you have any problems i'm nowhere near you but you know hopefully right. you can get it right yeah. so yeah one of those things uh last item on last item on safety topics for the week is uh i lead time does everybody know what i but mean by i lead time I lead time is how far ahead on the road you're looking. Okay, you should have a 15 second I lead time. So we've been kind of hammering the following distance, but we're actually getting a lot of harsh braking alerts. And if you watch the videos on the harsh brake alerts, the guy's just driving down the road and then it's that oh shit moments in his face. 
and you're trying to get the truck stopped and you finally get stopped and you see the look of relief in people's eyes, if you're looking 15 seconds up the road or more, you'll see traffic stopping before you have that oh shit moment. So. Absolutely. I, I kind of add that to the scan. Scanning. You know, and head on a swivel. I mean, you should be checking your mirrors every few seconds. You know, and as you go from mirror to mirror, it's that scan yeah. ahead, yeah. you know, back, know what's around you, all of that yeah. stuff. Don't don't leave your eyes fixed on something yes. for too long because then you're missing on, on the other stuff. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking at, you know, an accident on the southbound side and you're going northbound, you're not looking ahead. You know, if you're looking to the right, I mean, you just got to look at everything. You got to get the big picture, I guess, is my point. You, you do have to look at everything, Jam. I, I hadn't heard that, the I lead time. And I know I've mentioned it before. When, when Dad taught me to drive, you know, with all his experience, he was like, we'd be driving along. And like, What's that color of the car two cars back? What's the color of the car three cars up? You know, how fast is that going? Right. And when I taught my kids, you know, especially in bad weather, you know, that one time with Danielle, it was like, that guy's not going to be able to stop at that stoplight, you know, he's going to slide through it. But that's, that's the experience of looking so far ahead. Right. And, and, you know, just like the bad part of it is, is how we can judge, oh, that person's going to, I'm right. going to cut you off getting on the on-ramp. Yep. I'm going to speed up a little bit, or I'm not going to let you in. I'm going to close that gap because you're looking that far ahead and you've learned that. And that's what you need to do when you're, when you're. Yeah. You're watching a car, you know, in the lane ahead of you. Right, and you're like, that guy needs over. Why doesn't he turn on his blinker? Yeah, right. you, know, you know, he's, he, you know, he, he wants over. You see him looking yeah. in the mirror. You see him on the zipper, and you're like, just turn on your blinker, dude, and let right. everyone else know right. you need over. Right? Yeah. I mean, those are the people when you read those movements. It just kind of cracks me up. Yep. Everyone's almost afraid to use that blinker. You know, it's like, wait a minute, that's what it's for. Right. Let's communicate. It's like you almost don't want to tell people what you're gonna do because then they won't let you do it. You know what I mean? I, yeah. <laughs> I know from experience that more people are friendly. Yes. Giving them the information. You know, yeah, you're going to run into the one jerk. Right. Well, it's It's, one jerk. It's the gate. Yeah. You know, you went past it 10,000 times. We hit it once. So that one guy didn't let you in. But how many more people let you in? Yeah, absolutely. One one more thing I want to add into the 15-second I lead time. The way you will never have a 15-second I lead time is if you're following too close. If you're a second away from the car in front of you, you can't look 15 seconds up ahead because you're looking at those taillights. So, Good point, Jim. Yeah. 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 Yep. You, you lose all of that, close. don't you, Jim? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Soup, you want to hit us with the high road hauling? Okay. We'll knock it out. Um, so this week we're going to talk about something that should help everybody cope with all the modern-day stresses and, and uh, um like uh, hmm, having a brain fart here, the the modern day restrictions that we have on our life every day. Okay, so uh, we'll just start out by saying life can be hard, life can be challenging, life is also amazing, wonderful, and a miracle. It is up to us to ca- take control of the negatives so we can experience and cherish the amazing. In Japan, their culture believes one way to cope and manage with adverse situations is. Ukiru. It means acceptance of our relationships in our families, in school, at work, and in our communities. Psychologists say acceptance is a value that can go a long way in helping us manage stressors, big and small. Sometimes it's necessary to accept who you are, what you do, and what society does to you, explains Masato Ishida. 
Associate Professor and Director of the Center of Okinawan Studies at the University of Hawaii. It's not the same thing as resignation, he adds. Rather, it's more accepting the current situation in order to make peace with it and either make the best of it or move on. Shignori Matatomo, a PhD professor of religion at Temple University, specializing in East Asian Buddhism research, uses the English word harmony to describe how acceptance or ukuru is part of Japanese culture. Human beings are understood to be beings in nature, hence the importance of establishing harmony with it and with everything else in the world, he says. A lot of people in Japan have an aim high, work hard, work hard attitude, which makes it tough to accept anything less than perfect. So this underlying way of acceptance helps in those times when everything doesn't go according to plan. Additional psychology research tells us that being more accepting of our own thoughts and emotions without judging them improves mental health and helps us cope with stress. By practicing acceptance, you make space to move on from your negative or unpleasant situation. For example, to move on from the loss of a loved one, you have to accept that they've passed away. Acceptance is much different from resignation, which is when you submit to something you're facing and give up in terms of making a change for the better. It also isn't necessarily something you block out a half hour of your calendar to practice. Rather, it's a mindset to guide your thinking day after day. You have to learn how to naturally use it to interact with people and the world. Recognize what's actually stressing you out when you're feeling wound up. Are you stressed out about that project deadline or are you really stressed out because your spouse will be in the hospital for surgery soon? It doesn't always feel obvious when you're experiencing it. It's some underlying problem that's ramping up tension. And remind yourself that every situation is temporary. We tend to feel stress when we feel trapped. One way to make any situation immediately less stressful is to accept it and remind yourself that it's temporary. The burden of what you're feeling won't last forever. And be kind to others and yourself. This is part of Ukiru. And the quote today, um, which is an awesome one, and I think we've heard it before, but uh, the expectations of life depend on diligence. The mechanic that would perfect his work must first sharpen his tools by Confucius. Mm. So take that and think about releasing your stress by accepting your situation. I like it. I do too. It's yeah. a good one. Yeah, acceptance, Dave. Final thoughts, everyone? I'm going to jump in there on partnerships. I know we've talked about, uh, you know, being thankful for all of our employees so many times. And, you know, we like to say thank you and all of that. But the partnerships we've created, not only with our employees, but our vendors such as MHC and our fuel suppliers and our tire suppliers and just everyone that helps JFW go round and round. When I stop and think about that, you know, for 87 years, I remember as a kid, dad bringing Jim and I to work and he'd be like, come on, boys, I got to run over to Fruhoff. We're going to go see Bob Kramer. Or, you know, we'd walk in somewhere and just you know, to walk in and, and be met with appreciation and as a good customer and whatnot always felt good, mm. you know, but, you know, to be educated and, and learn about products and understand things and our partnerships, you know, Jim and I understand and value the partnerships because without them, we're nothing. 
we're only as good as the people we've chosen to do business with, you know, just like we appreciate the partnership with Brandon, we appreciate the partnership with MHC, we appreciate all our other customers. You know, it, it, it takes every link in the chain to continue to grow and continue to be successful and continue to do things the right way. So I guess those are kind of my final thoughts, the partnerships, be it with the people that work here with the JFW family, you know, from top to bottom, or from you know side to side it doesn't matter all the partnerships that's that's all we have really in the end you know what i mean is yeah. is your relationship with those people so yeah, yeah. i'm Good thankful thoughts. for that rick you got some final th- final thoughts i'd just like to first of all say thank you to you guys for allowing me to be a part of this and i think today i i walk away richer than when i came in hmm. You know, I've gotten to know you guys, you know, obviously over the last, let's say, few short years. But a time like this, getting to see the interaction and talking about the things that really drive your success, it, it, to me, it's a great experience. And it helps also for us to figure out, okay, hey, what can we do more of? What, what areas? So when we're thinking about brainstorming to help a company so that, let's say, if we're those challenges of the following distances. Sure. How do we help the drivers? Um, how do we help educate? I went to one of the Smith driving uh, programs, and I remember where one of the terms they used, or it was, don't drive into an accident. Huh. And for whatever reason, that always stuck in my head. Like, don't make make sure you're not the one driving into a bad situation. Here again, oh, and that just expounds on that looking ahead sure um, but anyway thank you guys yeah thank yeah. you thank you yeah, rick. thank you rick yeah, yeah. if, if you're sure. swarmed by paparazzi when you leave here <laughs> don't be surprised <laughs> i do hear the fan club outside wouldn't that wouldn't that, wouldn't that be cool that, really realistically wouldn't that be cool jim um yeah i mean dave you always we always seem to touch upon a lot of the same things when you you do your high road hauling and acceptance and 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 rick you mentioned you know just now you know being able to come in here and i mentioned it last week is we're kind of a support group and hopefully we can we can be a support group for some of the drivers out there as they learn about us and and listen to our podcast here and stuff and and one of the things i i heard this weekend is uh one of the radio people was talking about um relationships and she was fairly newly married and uh she said driving me crazy being newly married is my husband leaves every cabinet open you know just no matter where we're at he's doing something in the kitchen and she's like he's cooking a great dinner for me and the whole bit and she goes from the front room i can look in the kitchen and there's 13 cabinets and all 13 cabinet doors are open and she goes i'm just i'm just like cooking inside it's driving me crazy you know i got this wonderful meal and he she goes you know i I think back to what my dad told me and he gave me a little bit of marriage advice and it's one of those where you ask somebody that's been married a long time what what bit of advice it is you know do you have for for me being married and she goes you know i sat there and i thought and and that my dad told me goes as long as it's never a deal breaker it is no big deal as long as it's just not a deal breaker and that's acceptance to go with your high road hauling dave and i and I, I think about, I, it made me immediately think the worst. Well, what is a deal breaker? You know, and 
I can think of some deal breakers, but they are the worst, right? You know, it could sure. could be abuse, you know, but everything else is just pretty petty and nothing is really a deal breaker. And to what you just said, Dave, all it boils down is to relationships mm-hmm. yep. with your family, your wife, your your vendors, your employees. So, yeah, everybody, if it's if it's not a deal breaker, hang in there. Yep. Put relationships over problems. Yeah. You know, yeah, what's, more, what's more important? Yeah. Good so, point. Yeah. Soup? Uh, let's be safe. Think twice. Uh, we're all guilty of being in a hurry. We're all guilty of overlooking something. So you have to consciously stop and say, oh, I better have a second look at that. Or I better slow down. Or something's spiraling out of control. Let's step back. So um, everybody stop and take a little time to think twice. Awesome. My final thoughts is uh, come talk to me. I've had since Thursday before we, well, I was off Friday. So yeah, Thursday, since Thursday today, I've had three drivers come and talk to me uh, with problems they faced. And man, it feels good to talk to them about that and come up with solutions or find out the information get the data and be able to sit down and have an adult conversation about things so that's what i'm here for if you got a problem or you don't understand something or you have an idea to make jfw better please do that i've had one driver call me this morning he has a great idea i'm going to bring it to the steering committee on monday or at least find out why we can't do that or would we do it or things like that so come talk to me everybody yeah, and those, those, I don't want to take away from your final thoughts, Do but it. Those, those are heroes yeah. in my book. They right. took the time to realize it's not a deal breaker on what I just said and talk to you. Right. And, and God, is that just for, for, them to, for them to be brave enough to do that and for you to have, and I'm going to say shoulders to bear it, but you're the, you're the person there opening yourself up to be able to talk to them, and that, yeah. that's amazing. That's, that's yeah. a cultural thing. Absolutely. One, one of my pet peeves is when a driver comes to me and says, are you busy? Are you, or I know you're busy. And then they, I'm bit, my job is to help you. I'm busy helping you. So what, what do you need? You know, let's, let's get to it. Yeah. So final thoughts. Yeah. Read the it. creed. Yeah, absolutely. Let's cool. let's read it. You guys, yeah. I have to read mine. I don't have it all memorized, so I got my little deal. You guys, you guys, all good, Rick? You super, super Dave, Super <coughs> Dave made me memorize it. It's part of my initiation to recruiting and hiring. When I grabbed it out of the office, I was like, I need to memorize that. So yeah, absolutely, Jim. That's funny. You guys, ready? Yep. Yep. Together we face and overcome all that stands before us. Together we are accident free. Together we joyfully create honest value for those we serve. Together we celebrate our differences and respect those with whom we work. Together we are accountable for our words and our actions. And together we are a JFW family. Good stuff, man. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week.